Hello and welcome to the Saladcast on Saturday the 7th of September 2013. I'm Dan Train, joining me today Robert Kemp Oon. and Zachary Burgess. September. Septemium. Septemium. Septemium, indeed. That's what September means, doesn't it? Seven? Because it used to be the seventh month before we added a bunch of months. Really? Maybe. Yeah. It's Roman, isn't it? Yeah, makes sense. Or is that something else in Roman? Because sept is a the, the, you know, common Roman part of the word. Yes, you Septum, do hear that. Septus and yeah. <laughs> all those other words that have sept in it. Yeah. I wonder what that means then, if it's not seven. <laughs> probably not in that case. No. If it's using all those words, it probably doesn't mean seven. <laughs> Maybe it was just a coincidence. Maybe it was actually the seventh month. I wasn't just making that shout because we did add a load of months because obviously there was like July mm-hmm. that they only added because of shit. Yeah. But they must have, I mean, the months, you can't change the number of months because it's the number of times the moon goes around in phases and stuff. I don't think it was originally though, was it? Really? Or it was just some random arbitrary division of, of, of the year? Yeah, probably. Mm. You'd think they'd base it on the moon. Seems like the obvious thing, right? Then every month would be called Moonium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like, so you, moon, month literally is M Moonium, moon, pretty moon, much. It's Moon Timber, why? Because there's the moon. <laughs> month probably is the word month because M O from Moon, maybe, probably, or Moonth. Probably comes from Moon. Moon. Next Moon. Moonth. Good say. If we had multiple moons, then that would probably make more sense. Like, where certain moons are in invisibility, then we could perhaps name it. Like, well, what's the current moon situation? <laughs> what, moons that are only visible during certain times of year? It would be really convenient. But if the planet goes around once a day, then how would you manage to not... Well, whoever came up with it first would be the one to, <laughs> to name it all. <laughs> what? what are you talking about? What the fuck? So, you know, so, so, so if we, like, so, say Britain came up with this idea, like, so we had 12 moons. And were, <laughs> For example, 12. <laughs> <laughs> Conveniently, the same number as there are months. <laughs> and they all conveniently moved, so they all appeared at the same amount of time. Um, you know, so, but, but naturally, it'd be different based on where on the globe you were. So whoever was to notice this phenomenon and name it first would be the one to set the rules. The naming conventions. It's like, well, by that logic, it's not really that different from, like, time, is it? Where we, where we are, like... <laughs> time! Where, 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 like, GMT is, like, the, the centre of time and everyone is, like, either side of it. Yes, I guess that's because... Because we invented it. We invented <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that is, really. I guess. Well, Europe is kind of well, the centre of civilization. The, like, science well, observatory or whatever came up with the idea, you know, the idea of segregating it, I guess. It, they probably already knew that there was, like, the further east you go, the light, because you're going around the Earth, that you get different... It appears to be a different time of day, but then probably... Probably the probably worked that one out. Well, yeah, but then it was, like, probably Greece. English Science London Observatory or whatever came up with the idea of actually having designated light. Time zones. <laughs> having them go wobbly for no reason when, when there's national borders and shit. Well, it has to be approximate. Yeah. So that you can get the right train to the right place <laughs> at the right time. Is it just like a... 
did did Britain just decide that these were going to be like the rough segregations of time, or was it like some effort to try and standardize the system somehow? Or? Well, well, you just divide all the twelve hours or whatever, all yeah. the longitudes into <laughs> well, mostly, into 12, yeah, but, 24. You know, but did they just decide, or was it agreed with like America that this was going to be like the difference, or like because presumably, like, 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 you know, what as in it was agreed that you know these we were going to work by this sort of this this system of uh, allocating time zones, and then they the Americans would have to adjust their clocks to. It wasn't like. They just came up with this and then, like, it was because it's like we started using it first because of the colonies or whatever, basically. Because you had to keep time between the colonies and then and that just spread out naturally to adjacent places. And everyone, yes. Because it's like, because we were the ones with the technology or whatever. That's what I mean. That's what I was asking. Like, when did the timing mean that this, well, I suppose like Japan and stuff would have been an interesting one. There must have come a point where they suddenly adopted our time zoning maybe, and then gone, oh shit, we're well, a couple of hours off. Or, well, if you think about it, like, presumably, if you set your watch to 12 when the sun is highest in the sky, then you're never going to be more than an hour or so out of the official time zone. Yeah. Are you? I guess. But it would doesn't, like, the position alter based on what time of the year it is, though, like, slightly, like, where it starts and ends, therefore, like, 12 at one time of the year can cast a different shadow to 12 at a different time of the year. Not slightly. Yeah, the, the highest point must always be in the middle of the day. Probably. Oh, high, yeah, highest point of yeah. the day. But if you were to, like, say, use a sundial, you'd probably have to move that dial That's true. slightly throughout the year. That's to... true. That's true. Sundials are complicated and quite weird. Yeah. So it's sort of, they're sort of rough, roughly right. But if you want to get real fancy, you need to do a lot of adjustments. <laughs> So yes, that's the history of time and how we measure it throughout the ages, uh, as according to the Southern crew, apparently. Fact. <laughs> so there are twelve moons, and some of them appear. And if you were, if you were the one that saw that moon first, no, basically you those got twelve to decide. the twelve moons basically had a fight, right, to see who who would what the mumps would be named after. And so the moon won. All the other mo- all the other moons buggered off because you know the moon won, <laughs> and they weren't very happy. And the, so we looked up. And by the time we noticed, it's like oh, there's only one moon. I guess we'll call them moons. <laughs> <It's- laughs> Since that, <laughs> who, knows, who knows what the other moons would have been called? Exactly. Well, it could, could have been Dave. You know, we could have had Daves or Davis. Days of the days. <laughs> yeah. <That'd be> annoying. <laughs> yeah. On the third day of the third day, David. 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 I don't understand why Dave. Dave. Like, 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 Moon isn't a name. Moon. Why Moon is the name? Like a name for a person, whereas Dave is a name. It would be in Japanese, wouldn't it? There's people that have names that translate to Moon. Yeah, Yeah, fair enough. Okay, that that would happen. I'm sure probably Moon was a name in like. Viking or something. It's probably a name in lots of cultures, actually. Yeah, probably. Whenever, well, whenever no, I meant, I meant the word that, you know, the word that became moon probably actually was a name at some point. Yeah, it came from somewhere. In some, yeah. in some like, Germanic language or whatever. Something <laughs> that, that we stole. Giant floating orb, you mean. Moon. Moon. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so, do we have any uh, video game news? 
Plenty. Question. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, after we, <laughs> after <laughs> we had none on the way in here, you've looked at your iPad for five minutes and then invented some. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I actually had, had some things, as I said. There's like um, another two weeks have passed, therefore there must be at least two more bits of Microsoft news. And it's Is that so? Current, that's currently the rule. Okay. Um, it's probably four things, actually. Four bits of news. That's so, like four weeks' worth of Microsoft um, news. I'll try and go them in the order in which I remember them. <laughs> so the first one is um, um, Xbox. Now, let's them. have them in the inverse order that you remember them. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Um, so the first one is uh, we now have the most mundane, I suppose, is that we now have a release date which is the 22nd of November, Ooh. and that is the global release date. It's not different in different territories, unlike the PS4's release. Yeah. So, interestingly, that means the PS4, well, or not interestingly, depending on your stance, that means PS4 comes out before Xbox in the US. And after and in the after UK. And after in the UK. So, yeah. Does it? Yes. yes. What was the UK one from PS4? It's 29th. So it's a week later. I thought it was the 22nd. <laughs> no, not. no, it, it is different. Or the 21st. And it's 15th, I think, in America. Yeah. Right? Um, That's why I thought it was that, because it seemed like more than two weeks was too long. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting stagger. It's probably sensible. I don't know, because they roll out servers at different times, maybe. Oh, maybe. There may be be some logic in it. Who knows? Um, I don't think that week is going to make any difference to anyone. Well, wasn't it that the the PS4 one is sort of before Black Friday or something? So they were saying that that could be a bit of a weird deal. Like, I guess we don't really have Black Friday. No, we don't, we don't have any concept, so, also, so it's irrelevant to us. But, so it matters to them. Yeah. Like, well, does that mean the Xbox just comes out after Black after Friday? After Black Friday, okay. or on Black does. Friday, or something like that. It's, it's like, like Thanksgiving is super late in November this year, or something, I hear. Okay, so they're it's all like the last week of November. Yeah, because everyone was predicting it would probably come after Black Friday, but then I guess then they'd be at risk of not having a November release date that they promised everyone. So it's... Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, I, don't, I don't really understand the economics of Black Friday, so I can't really comment. But shit just happens. Uh, yeah, so that that's happening. Woo. Okay, can, everyone can book their holidays now. <laughs> oh, I think I know what the, one of the other pieces of news might be. Well, there's one that I'd, hopefully uh, you guys could perhaps like clarify for me, and it might be attached to the fact that Microsoft bought Nokia. Really? Yeah. Um, so about, no, I know they did that, but what could be attached? Well, to it? I, I I didn't actually bother looking this up or something, but I did hear that perhaps the head of devices has changed oh. again, oh. so it's no longer the lady lady, um, right? And it's it might be someone from Nokia who they're bringing in to do this role, which might make sense. Then Nokia being a devices company to then host so. the devices division, which naturally includes Xbox. Um, well, she must have only been in there for like a month or something. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Okay. So it's not been not been long. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you guys haven't heard then. No, I was I haven't heard that, but um, uh, it's, it certainly sounds plausible. Yeah, so the buyout of Nokia is an interesting one. And they bought like the core of Nokia. They don't seem to have bought Nokia, but they bought what Nokia does. Well, they bought their phone division. Exactly. Least, so it's... <laughs> the one that makes the smartphones and the dumb phones. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although that the, the dumb phones were slowly being yeah. sort of phased out of Nokia's work. But, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's an interesting purchase because everyone has been sort of well. I say everyone. There's a sort of weird analyst point of view to say that Microsoft just shouldn't be in hardware, um, claiming that that's just where they lose the majority of their cash. 
And it's like, well, they don't really lose cash on hardware, I don't think. They sort of break roughly even. It's like, okay, Surface lost money, but Xbox division turns a profit. Yeah. And, um, well, they've got a, I mean, they're, obviously their aim is like Apple make a fortune out of hardware. So, well, just yeah, wanna, they want to so just, just move that. into that same. Yeah. You can't really make, I'm not sure you can really make money perhaps on boxed software anymore in the style that Microsoft does, which is why everyone's moving to a subscription model. Like, I don't know, the annoying yeah. Adobe model is kind of like Adobe's pricing model has always been kind of crazy, but they are actually phasing out buying boxed copies of the creative suite. So yeah. you have to have a subscription. Yeah. Which is kind of nuts. Yeah. It's mental. Um, as soon as they can get people onto that though, then they've locked in. Yeah. You're locked in forever. And, and it's a like, load of businesses rely on that stuff. So it's like, I kind of want from that kind of stuff a much more flexible model than everyone offers. Like, say Adobe were to offer like a, a proper pay-as-you-go model for software. So you are literally paying for it or for the amount of time that you end up using it. Right. Um, then having a license to things might actually not be such a bad proposition. You know, if you only use uh, a video editing suite or a Photoshop on a periodic but you know very sparse basis mm-hmm. then perhaps it's better to have one of the have a sort of pay-as-you-go thing where you're paying it for the couple of hours that you actually need it for each month or something mm-hmm. you know that's and then maybe you'd get more people on board from having this mm. um having Lower this more, yeah, yeah slightly more casual use and then of course you offered like the big subscription deals perhaps to um the bigger companies that that require it you know Ultimately, the model is something a bit like, um, kind of a bit like what some of the, um, uh, oh, I don't know, like like the Oyster card, I think, is where I was kind of going with this in a yeah. way. We have these sort of pay-as-you-go steps almost that's tied to your account. So you use the product for a bit, and then you, you get charged up to, you know, for each trip, up to a certain threshold, and then perhaps you carry over onto some subscription thing. But just for that month say or just for that thing so like corporations who rely on this technology get it at the subscription rate or whatever but the casual user gets it for as little as they need lest they use it enough to suddenly fall into the subscription category for that month <laughs> that's far too nice i know that's the problem that's it's the perfect happen. model almost isn't it no because it's far too nice they don't want people to be able to spend less they want people to always spend the same amount regardless of how much they use this, it because fuck them but in adobe's case this is the weird thing because adobe's pricing structure kind of inhibits people from learning to use adobe products or even just purchasing them on a whim because they are so expensive the home user can't even think to use it therefore unless you're a student and can get hold of the vastly reduced cost uh, student editions of uh, of Adobe software, then what is your in into that world unless you go piracy? It's like, it's just, I don't quite know what Adobe want to achieve with their pricing structure. It's it's a difficult thing because you want people to learn to use their stuff so you can't use anything else and you have something that you're instructable, but there is no way of doing that in the Adobe framework lest you are a student, end up working for a corporation that are willing to train you, mm-hmm. or... Or you pirate, you know, what What other choice do you have? I don't know, it's a bit of a shit route, at least with things like, okay, Visual Studio, the proper editions is an expensive bit of software, let's, let's not mm-hmm. muck around there, it's really expensive, mm-hmm. but they do those express editions, which are completely free, Yeah, and, and have, you know, so you can learn the gist of how Visual Studio works, how the things tie together, and then realize what you're missing in the full versions, that kind of stuff, that, to me, at least, is a route in. Um, 
It's a fairly common model, isn't it? Yeah. It's a good, it's not quite a nice model. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Adobe have their slightly lower tier products that like Lightroom for photographers and um, uh, Elements, I suppose they had for a while, Photoshop Elements. Oh, I don't know awful. if that, yeah, it's a terrible, bit. it's not Photoshop is no. the problem, but it's like you can't use it in the same way that you use Photoshop. I tried and it was just not fit for purpose for what I wanted to use it for. And it's, it just sucks. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure it exists anymore. I don't know. No, probably not. Um, I, don't know. I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's like, I think if like everyone's move to subscription-based stuff is ever going to work, that's the kind of thing you need to be doing to be to get to make people want to have it over a fixed product. Is I guess like getting back to Microsoft, the the um, they do have a kind of that kind of model on Office now, right? Well, they have a subscription model, but again, it's kind of. It's not like it's not a true pay as you go model. You have to opt in for like, and it's contracted. That's the other problem with the Adobe thing. Is you can't just opt in for a month when you want to use it. You have yeah. to opt in for a whole year. Yeah. At a certain rate, and three six five is the same. You have to opt in for a whole year at a certain rate, and they That's have the name, I guess. Oh, yeah, and they have different tiers of subscription that will grant you access to certain um, certain parts of the library. Um, it's exactly the same, um, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, that's not how I don't think most users use that stuff. And the problem is the, a 365 subscription, I think, is slightly less than just buying a software box outright, like a home edition of Office, say. Mm-hmm. So there's some appeal there, I suppose, to some people think, oh, yeah, but we could get this cheaper. Oh, and we get every update from that moment onwards, like without paying extra every time there's a new edition. That kind of stuff. It's like so. Maybe there's some appeal there, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I still think it's funny. How often do you really use Excel at home? Exactly. Yeah, you need one occasionally. To me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Unless you're doing your your accounts or something, you could easily do that with with the website. Or something well, yeah, yeah. You use, use like Word online. I do my CV and stuff on just Web Word most of the time now, and it's exactly. you know that yeah. kind of Google Docs even. Yeah, yeah, that all works fine. It's like, I don't get it. So there, stuff. Subscription models need work. So that was uh, another of your Microsoft news, is there? Yeah, pretty much. Is that the third or the fourth? Uh, it kind of all blurs into the second, that one. <laughs> okay. So the third one, which is directly, which actually directly affects me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose this is this is the fourth, actually. The second and third kind of blended together there. But yeah, the, the fourth one for me was... They announced uh, for mem- people who have pre-ordered the day one edition mm-hmm. Xbox that you can now choose to not get it with FIFA, and that you can choose to get it with Forza Five yeah, instead. I heard this, yeah. Now, I, 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 my ears pricked up when I heard that. Going, yeah. Oh, well, that sounds like a much more appealing yeah, thing to me. That's what you want anyway. Yeah. Except Amazon mm-hmm. are a bunch of motherfucking crap service customer service bitches. So. Basically, because they announced the FIFA thing first, mm-hmm. Amazon then just changed the day one edition to be the day one edition with FIFA. Mm-hmm. So everyone who pre-ordered with Amazon before just defaulted to the FIFA 14 edition. Mm-hmm. And then they introduced the Forza 5 edition, which is a different edition, mm-hmm. which I can't just switch to. I do not I do not have that choice. I do not have that luxury. So unless I want to cancel my pre-order... Mm-hmm. And redo it again, which the customer service guy said may jeopardize your position in the queue. 
great for such a thing. It's like, I can't get it. So actually, in oh, a way, they bullshit. are, and, unless they still have allocation and I cancel and get the new one, mm-hmm. um, for which I'm not sure anyone really knows what their allocation is, maybe mm-hmm. at this point. And it's, uh, uh, I can't get the Forza 5 edition. It really like, sucks. So the, yeah, there's there's better situations for people that are pre-ordering late, maybe. Yeah, that's. I guess it's that's, a bit crappy. Amazon's fault rather than Microsoft. Yeah, because I, I emailed them to say, "Hey, look, is there a way I can switch?" And they're like, "No, bastards. Why don't, why don't you cancel your order?" But you know, it, I, I, to, in their defense, I guess at least they did tell me that it may be a mm-hmm. it may jeopardize my position in any pre-order queue mm-hmm. if they if they do have a stock problem. But it's a. Uh, um, so you know, at least they warned me about that. But holy crap, how difficult it is to flip the switch to say, "Oh, just, just get the Forza edition for that it's, guy." Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the way they they're shipping it as well is it's a download code. They're not shipping a disc copy oh. in the box, so the the box comes with a download code to get you into the digital ecosystem. I see. So you don't actually get a disc. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so you use up hard disk space straight away. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. On your copy of Forza Five. Yeah. Hmm. So I did notice that, like, as a side experiment, that the fours or five pre-orders are now forty-five and not fifty-five. So maybe there is some sort of like price settling happening. Let's mm. say so maybe the fifty-five mark that we've all been worried about isn't necessarily um, going to be the the, the standard. All fours or five is shit. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a budget yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, there is that risk. So you think of getting the free FIFA and then buying? I'm not sure I have a choice. Yeah, I'll probably I'll probably get the Forza Five, Forza Five as a separate one. So that might that I might pre-order it not from Amazon just mm-hmm. to sort of say, well, fuck you guys, you can't have my my extra money. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> just just because of what they they're not doing for me, mm-hmm. but as, yeah, and apparently it's not every location. It's like I heard there's only a few retailers offering this other edition as well. So it's like Amazon Game and. Mm-hmm. Someone else are doing the Forza Five doing the Forza Five edition, whereas everyone else has only got FIFA right now. Interesting. Um, So I don't know if that's like a staggered rollout that they were just quick off the mark to to incorporate it. Or Hmm, could be. Yeah, Um, I think I'm out of Microsoft news. I can't think of anything else. Yep. Blur. Okay. Microsoft news. I heard you'd be able to use the PS4 controller on PC potentially. Oh, that sounds cool. Which is kind of interesting. You sort of could with the PS3 yeah, controller exactly. if you had a Bluetooth yeah. thing in your PC, but yeah. not many do. Yeah. I think there might be some proper drivers and stuff. Hmm. Possibly. I saw people speculating about it. Still think the Xbox One controller would probably be the best PC game. Yeah, controller. probably. Controller. Well, people will probably design... I'd, I'd be more inclined to think that they were designed for that, knowing that um, in the same way that they did sort of designed for the 360 controller on PC, yeah, knowing that you know that is kind of the official PC controller, it is now for, yeah. for, for Windows, and, yeah, and especially knowing that Microsoft are going to make a PC version of the one controller. I don't think they are, but the, the, not at launch. They, 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 right? Not at launch. They've said they're going to make a specific version, but they said, that oh, okay. They, well, they, I think I think they said that the drivers wouldn't be out immediately. That's right. That's so, why so it's going to take some time for them to remake the uh-huh. drivers to make go on PC. Well, so I think eventually it will become yeah, yeah. the one they market in the same way as they did the 360 controller, where the PC and the mm-hmm. Xbox version are pretty much the same other than a serial number. Mm-hmm. And apparently, as I discovered when I bought one, <laughs> it's like I, I went on Amazon to see about getting a 360 controller because I just wanted a new one. 
for me. Yeah. So I went and looked at. First of all, I went. I went to. I just typed in like Xbox 360 controller, and that brings up the Xbox 360 controller. And I wanted a wired one because I don't want to have to use Rob's dumb wireless adapter that plugs into USB. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I looked at that, and then I was like. But what happens if you go into the PC section and then go to the Xbox controller? And it's like, it's actually a different listing, Mm -hmm. the PC version of it, and it's cheaper. Different SKU. (laughs) For some reason. It probably worked fine with the 360, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, But, like, so then when I actually got it, it it's like, the Amazon page had, like, weird things where it's, like, sturdier construction for PC, and I was like, what? That's just got to be bullcrap. Nice. So then when I eventually got it and compared it to the actual Xbox controller I had, I was like, this is exactly the same, except the PC one has crosshead screws, <laughs> so you can take it apart easier. Oh, okay. <laughs> Weird. It's the only difference that I can tell. That's probably just a difference in the manufacturing of controllers in general since at the time period yeah, or something. Possibly. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen a recent Xbox controller, I guess. Yeah, I think the one you had off me was one of the quite old, fairly yeah. old ones. Yeah, but yeah, um, it was cheaper, so I guess that's good. So if you need to buy a, it's a, PC a controller, controller for PC, make sure you get the one that's actually for PC. That, that is weird. We we should try it at some point. Just plug it into the Xbox and see if it's stands to work fine. Yeah, I'm sure it will. I mean, they do. It's like, it's, look, the PC one shouldn't even be cheaper because it comes with a fucking driver CD and that's like extra manufacturing cost right there. Why would you even. That's just Amazon, the reason that it's cheaper. I bet it's not list cheap, price cheap. No, maybe not. It's just Amazon being weird. They keep. Also, they... why did they provide a driver disk these days when you could just plug it into Windows well, and if you not... have an internet connection, it would just go, oh yeah, I've got that. It's not technically drivers, it's like drivers and a little extra thing that makes the home button actually do something. <laughs> Oh, yes. No, I had that. That was crap. Yep, get rid of that immediately. Yeah, turn that off. Don't even install it. (laughs) Well, if you're in a a Windows Live game, the home button, well, the guide button just works as you'd expect. Yeah. Yeah. It adds a pointless program, which is the only purpose, apparently, is when you push the button, it shows you which controller it is, and if it's a wireless one, it tells you how much battery it has. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't work very well for me, that, when I had it on for a bit, so. It's a background process, so fuck that. Yeah, that too. (laughs) Get that shit out of there. The guide button actually works in Steam Big Picture, yeah. so you can you can use it there. Anyway. Well, to bring up the Steam yeah, overlay. to bring up the Steam overlay. Oh, nice! So they, they thought it through. <laughs> yeah. I quite oh. like Steam Big Picture, but I never find myself actually with any need to use it because <laughs> like, you don't have your PC connected to TV. But it's a really cool. Thing. It is a cool thing because using the if I'm playing a game with a controller, it is somewhat more convenient to use the Big Picture version of the overlay to see things and. Is yeah, it? Get away. Well, because, You're you know, still sitting at your fucking computer yeah, desk yeah, two but, feet away from the monitor yeah, with a keyboard in front of you. I have to control it down and I have to then sort of like readjust myself to sort of, you know, sit, sit comfortably at the keyboard and type out a message and, and perhaps use the mouse to browse around it, you know. And besides, big picture looks cool. It is a cool interview. But when it works, I still don't think the store works for me in big picture, but as I say, it's been a while since I've used it. Not that I'd use the story big picture anyway. Any more news? What news? Hmm. Dunno. I got a lot. To be honest, pass the Microsoft. Spasm. Oh, whoa, oh, oh. 2DS. God, how weird is that? Oh, the 2DS, yes. I forgot about that thing. How weird is that? I mean, I know it's not for us. For the kids. Technically, it is a kid, supposedly a kid's thing. But I never thought about that, right? So, supposedly, if it's like flat, sturdy 
sturdier, hingeless construction means that it might be more suited to young kids. And I was sort of like, is that strictly true? Because you've got exposed screens. Yeah. Aren't they just going to get fucked slightly faster than if you had a closed clamshell thing? I would say so. The hinges are fragile, bit though, surely. I guess. I don't know. It seems just as bad. I heard that it's not two screens. It's actually one screen. Oh, really? Yeah. They put an arbitrary with, split. Yeah, which is extra weird because it means the top screen is also a touch screen, but they've put like a layer over it so it doesn't work. <laughs> it's like cheaper for them to manufacture that. Or would, or would the sensor just be the layer, or the touch sensor just be some layer that they put over the top of the screen underneath? Mm. I mean, that seems plausible as well. I mean, given that yeah. they're just those resistive screens anyway, yeah, they are it is just like a layer, isn't it? it is. Yeah. Or maybe they just removed that layer from the Anyway, it's one screen, yeah, yeah. supposedly. That's um, weird. Which is weird. That is weird. Do they have different resolutions, those screens? No. Uh, kind of. They are different sizes. They're not, diff- they're not different DPIs, but yeah, they would, they would... Yeah, in that sense of the word resolution. Oh. So yeah, same DPI, but different actual physical dimensions and different pixels, therefore. It's still weird, like, people were saying, it's like, oh, why didn't they just get rid of the... If it is, like, built like that, why didn't they get rid of the gap in between the screens? Right. Like, to try and bunch it up. Because all so the, you know, so you don't end up with so all the games zone. are programmed to compensate for that gap yeah. when things transition. Sometimes, like, sometimes badly, but they are. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of an annoying dead zone, but it's like, I'm not sure really how you could... It would look funny if you didn't compensate from that, maybe. Hmm. Don't know, I can't really think of that many more, times where that's really screwed me up, to be honest. But. I was thinking more of like, what a, I mean, the, the, sometimes there's obviously, well, talking about what I've been playing, but not actually talking about it yet. We'll get to that later, because Rob probably has to go first this week. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe. But yeah. uh, when, I, when I was playing like the new Mario Luigi... There's quite a lot of stuff in that game that's a lot easier if you have the 3D on because, oh, like, really? the battle, the like dodging and stuff in battle is actually uses the 3D where like attacks come from the background and stuff. Oh, I see. So to to try and judge when it's about to hit you, you find it easier if the if the perspective is there. Yeah, and and then there's also things where, <laughs> which where I wonder what it will do because there's like there's one of the special attacks. You have to tilt the 3DS, oh, yeah, and yeah, at yeah. the start of that special attack, it has an has an on screen option where you can just disable the 3D for that attack because you're tilting the device. Therefore, seeing the 3D might be a bit weird. Yeah, so it's like, what's that? <laughs> is it just going to compensate for that on the 2DS and just not show that option, or is it still going to be there and just be weirdly pointless? <laughs> well, if you have, I was about to say, if you have the slider off. Which I think you did when you were showing me. Yeah. Surely that's sending the, the the software command to be two D. Yeah, and the option was still appearing. I think so. Yeah, so it would, it would be doing that. Yeah, but it's just like that's just even weirder when it's on the two DS. It's like turn the three D on, and it's like, and surely what it can't. You know what would have been? Well, it sounds like they didn't think it. They thought it through, but not or not completely. I guess because in theory, if they they must. The software must know if it's running in 2D mode yeah. because of those ones that used to frame rate up and stuff you know, yeah. when, they, yeah. um, when they're not dealing with it. and it's uh, So it must know. So in theory, they should have perhaps programmed into that attack to recognize that, oh, we're in 2D mode, therefore I'm just going to skip over this. Yeah, maybe. And just assume this entire attack is going to be done in 2D stuff. 
Although if they were that worried about it, they'd have just they should have just disabled three D without asking you. Yeah, but then that would have been that light would have been confusing possibly. Where you just like so you'd suddenly oh, what, you mean, not like, be able to see it or you'd be like what <laughs> suddenly gone weird. Looks strange all of a sudden. Oh, so you could use like a transition or something to do it, like a fade to white and fade back, and then it wouldn't be so bad, but maybe. I think it's neat that they thought about it, at least. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that thing is real. It's totally not a joke. Um, which I thought many, many, the internet originally thought when they saw it. It's like, that cannot be real. I hope it has a stylus that goes in vertically, so it's like a foot long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not like drawing a sword out of it. <laughs> well, if it really is a kid's device, you want a giant crayon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got all that space. Now with the precision of Crayola. <laughs> I think it just looks like, how are you even meant to hold that when well, the, like, yeah, the circle pad is just halfway up the side? Yeah, you don't hold it at the bottom. <laughs> no. You have to grasp it, halfway weirdly. Up. Yeah. It's, unless it's, again, it's not designed necessarily for holding because it is sort of slate slanted. <laughs> you can't play yes. it on a flat surface. That, yeah, that that's, circle pad doesn't work unless you've got your thumb on it. You, well, yeah, bat it. Well, and where are the, where are the, L and R. Yeah, where are the shoulder buttons? Just on the back somewhere, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. A weird thing. Just get the XL, man. <laughs> Nintendo seems to be thrashing around a bit at the moment. I don't know. Well, there's... there's... In fairness, this doesn't harm them, because, you know, no, if, this, if, if this comes out as... It's fine, yeah. And it finds a place. And it is cheaper and for cheap. than, than the... Existing 3DS. It's the obvious models. thing. It's for like, the new Pokemon that's surely coming out soon. The well, obvious thing coming out no exactly the same time. for not ruining children's eyes. Well, it's like a legal mechanism. But perhaps because it's software thing, perhaps they could have could have just put that into the firmware of the 3DS to say. Well, I'm sure, just, there is a parental mode or something. Yeah, just just disable 3D permanently. So even if you deal with the slider, it doesn't go into the 3D mode. But now they don't have to do that. Now you can just give this to the kids and they can't casually hack them. <laughs> hack. Mm-hmm. They casually navigate through the menus and find the <laughs> options and just turn the fucker off. But surely parental mode would be like password locked or something. Yeah, but you can find out passwords easy enough. If you should guess. But you should have good passwords. You, should, you shouldn't have the film trope of saying, hmm, the password for this computer must be in this room and be really obvious. Ah, I see they have a... This is a this is something we didn't know about them before. This guy likes baseball. Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed in. Crocker shit. Crocker shit. That's actually crocker shit at all. That's actually like what happens all the time. It's just terrible. Yeah, People but are it, bad. It, yeah, I, I suppose you maybe you're right, but it always happens at like the most opportune moments and it's always true in these things isn't it it's like they always they always get in they don't just go oh well he's actually got a sensible password moving on ah <laughs> oh. i guess there was those um uh leaked security documents that the guardian sort of published in... you see those this week yeah yeah two, two days ago unbelievable dnsa and gch well is it unbelievable i mean that's well, pretty much what I, we must have all known that they were doing this anyway i know it's, but it's like it's perhaps some of the so wording depressing. they use is a bit is a bit funny like they refer to anyone on the internet as an adversary <laughs> <laughs> they called like political masters did you see that oh yeah, yeah. that was quite funny it's gonna troll problems for our political masters <laughs> 
it's, fun, it's, it's like, such a weirdly worded thing, isn't it? It's like they consider themselves above everything. Yeah, they're pretty much... They're, they're everywhere as well. That's what this new one proves. It's like the prison program is like, let's go into the big tech companies and and install backdoors into, into excuse me, <laughs> into, Google, <laughs> into Google and Facebook and Amazon and all these people. Okay. So the cost of that program is $20 million a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the new program. Yeah, this is, this is that, that, that's on a whole yeah, different scale. This new program is like called Bull Run and it's like, let's compromise all SSL security across the entire internet by putting backdoors at each end of every communication, $300 million a year. Uh, <laughs> I did wonder, right, if you were, like, if you were, like, able to sniff in just the right way, like, with SSL, I mean, it would be a really incredibly difficult task, hmm. but could you, like, somehow compromise the... If you compromise just the bits where the tokens are exchanged somehow, which is probably what they've done, then you can just decrypt anything that's sent over SSL during, yeah, that, during that session. That's how they do it. Like they're not using supercomputers to break the actual encryption. They're just subverting it completely by like compromising. Oh, we have the points. key to get at that one. Yeah, yeah they fine. just they just break into the the actual. So so the, the, the commercial security software is just co- compromised just because points. they put vulnerabilities into it. In so, fairness, all they've done is basically make. Oh, well, actually, now that we know that that exists, are we in a real shit place? Like for like, what that means? Like, surely the hacking community is now looking for this. They are, yeah, real bad. Yeah, there's all and these uh, things they can now exploit because mm. they know they're there somewhere. There's all these um, man, we could be in a real dark time coming up. Yeah, it's really horrid. I mean, which which, which actually makes Microsoft turn around to a non-digital platform somewhat sensible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, this may work out after all. Yeah. It's just, it's so terrible. I don't know. It's like, because cryptography and all that stuff, like RSA encryption and all that stuff, works great as long as you both ends are trusted. Yeah. But uh, if neither end is trusted. Yeah. If you can't, you can't trust the other end because it's Gmail or whatever because they've Mm. been compromised. And you also can't trust your own computer because they've put a Trojan on it or whatever. Or, what, or the browser that you're using. Or there's something in Windows. Yeah, or, or Windows. Yeah. yeah, so so it doesn't matter that the connection is secure because both ends are bust. Such a shit, isn't it? It's terrible. They did, they did um, theorize fairly recently, um, given their estimates about what they could potentially achieve with quantum computers, that if, if one was built that was you know, a reasonably usable thing that RSA could just be broken. Yeah, they could break RSA, but that's okay yeah. because by the time you've developed that, you've probably got quantum cryptography, quantum cryptography which you can't you break have, at yeah. all. Well, unless everyone... It, sure, it depends how that, work, how that would end up working. If everyone has to have a quantum computer to generate something yeah. that secures your ends, then you may be in trouble. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. I guess I guess the NSA Echo will have big quantum computers before the rest of us. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, I mean... It's just like well done for trying to make the world a better place by making it less secure for everyone. Yeah, screwing everyone over. Yeah, it's terrible. Doesn't help, and it's so dumb because like it's obvious. Like if you're Osama bin Laden, you don't use the internet, and he didn't. Yeah, (laughs) and his entire network didn't use the internet. That's all that's going to change, isn't it? Is that everyone's going to just do things by carrier pigeon? Uh, But they've (laughs) been doing it by couriers for the past ten. It's obvious. I mean, like. People ran spy networks before the internet, before the telephones even. Mm. You just, you know, you just use dead drops and like, there's all kinds of techniques to, to be, for running things in secret without having to use freaking a much better way of doing it, exactly. surely. It's so dumb. You know, regardless of whether or not they could or couldn't get into that kind of stuff, surely that is just the best way to do it securely. Exactly. Is to, 
use it, yeah, deliver something by hand, have it ciphered in some form, yeah. and then yeah, I mean, you could uh, come on, Enigma worked well enough, exactly. Well, no, that was broken. <laughs> yeah, eventually, <laughs> but, but yeah, they needed that. They need to use like a one-time pad. That's the way you do to do yeah, it. Yeah, like the like the you see, I saw a film the other day that perhaps had a. That's probably a little too close to the truth when you start thinking about it. But it, was, it was called the Number Station. It was a pretty not great, but not bad John Cusack film where they're working at a number station somewhere in Suffolk, and um, yes, they <laughs> and they um, people work at number stations. I imagine they're just robots. They're just a computer. Well, oh, probably. But the idea was that they'd get an instruction or something, and the, this one person would be the only person that would know this particular cipher and where in right. the cipher to be. And that kind of stuff to get it to work, and then that would form a one-time cipher that would be corresponding to a code book of an agent in the field that okay. would tear off the page, write in that code, and of course it would all be kept in sync. Like yeah. A certain message would refer to a certain page, that kind of stuff, and and it's like that seems pretty sensible. Yeah, and it's like unless you get hold of the code book and know the the cipher, you, there's, there's quite a number of elements here you need to somehow be aware of to break this. Seems well enough, except of course. This is where the kind of the plot of that film kind of falls down because these guys just sort of break in and then kind of harass people and send harass the sort of the the, the senders, the people who know the ciphers, uh-huh. to send some false messages out and stuff like that. And it's but then they wouldn't have known if they were sending the false messages. Surely they could have just written any old shit. <laughs> like, oh god, I've been compromised. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need to write. Um, yeah. That's what you wait. That, surely that's the obvious extension to that system is the, from every like spy tale ever. Is you always have a code where you just, where it's just part of your regular transmission that you have to that you have to say in a certain way that tells them tells the other end that you're compromised. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like an extra character somewhere, like enter the message with a full stop. <laughs> when you don't know yeah. Or, or, or a lol, but lol, <laughs> not really. Like a distress code thing. Yeah. You have to have one of them. It's important. Kind of like what they use in TV, possibly in reality, where they're like hostages or whatever, and they have to, they're forced to say things in public and then they include some kind of yeah. hint. Weird code. The sausage is in the factory. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's quite the <laughs> Yeah. Hello? Yes, we're all fine in there. There is no cheeseburgering at all. <laughs> cheeseburger? What's cheeseburger? Oh, God. Cheeseburgering. <laughs> Why did you say cheeseburgering? It's, a, it's an internet uh, thing. You know, we're, yeah. we're, not be, we're not being asked to do things like I can has cheeseburger. Do you not use the internet? <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you would say if you're being threatened. <laughs> That would be my emergency. Yeah, no, that's on that. Yeah. I mean, just claim it, some, just claim it was some meme on the internet that, that, that your boss would know. Yeah, or something yeah, that the exactly. guy you were talking to would know. Internet meme. Anyway. You guys are from around here, aren't you? <laughs> right, excellent. We can reference American culture like a bastard. Well, that's the NSA. Yeah. Hooray for... Um, not at so least, fat all. At least you can freaking unplug your connect now. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> well, yeah. Don't don't need that connect on. But although I would love it 
if in sort of like if someone figured out how to like just flood the NSA with all the connect traffic across the world and just have random people playing Dance Central, like just like that's all they could see was just nothing but Dance Central. <laughs> I don't know. Could you DDoS the NSA with something like that? Like that that's that's probably that must be like anonymous or Lord Sex next target, surely, <laughs> is to try and just <laughs> DDoS the security about like that must be the biggest fucking network perhaps to try and break. You'd break the internet. Like they're, probably they're everywhere yeah. in the in the system. So like you Do can't it. you could flood the internet with more traffic than it can handle. Like, that must be possible. Do it. Is that possible though? I don't know. Apart from there must be a way. There must be a way like it's basically a giant set of plumbing, isn't it? Like yeah. be a way to... <laughs> it's a series of chips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, gum up the works. There'll be some weak point in one server somewhere that's like a where a lot of the routing occurs. I mean, I know they're designed to try and route around it, but you, you just have to pick a number of those in a certain spot on the network, and then you're potentially gumming up a whole section. Or, you know, just go scuba diving and cut the cable. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> I don't think that's very likely. No, it's quite deep down. <laughs> quite a fucking fat cable, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably do it if you had one of those Titanic um, exploring style submersibles with a nuke on board just nuke it nuke it <laughs> you know just because yeah maybe if you had like a baby nuke no, no one would even notice that yeah. well they'd notice when the internet did work yeah <laughs> oh, I can't talk to America what's going on <laughs> That's internet. That's, that's, how I, that's, that's how I read all internet comments. It's in that voice. That's the voice of the internet to me. <laughs> I can't see my cat videos. What's going there's, on? There's no cat on a rumba. I don't even know what a rumba is anymore. It's an American product. What's America? That would be a crazy terrorist attack. I wonder if they thought of doing that. Like, oh yeah, must, that must have been thought of a number. Like, not, not under the sea, but you could like attack where it comes out of the sea in Cornwall, which is probably not many people around. You could probably Maybe blow that up yeah. quite nice. Yeah, they must have considered that. If not, we just give them ideas. <laughs> Woo. Hey, NSA. <laughs> well, this is going to be on the internet before long. <laughs> yeah. It's not even encrypted, bitch. <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. Stick that up your tail, folks. <laughs> we don't even have proper cookie policy. Because <laughs> that page doesn't fucking exist. Yeah, all right. It's <laughs> uh, fine. Okay. Just, just go to any other page that has cookies. It'll be the same. That's our policy. <laughs> our policy is sod off European Union. That yeah. was the stupidest thing you've we'll, ever we'll, done. We'll, we'll adhere to your laws somewhat. Somewhat. Speaking of dumb... <laughs> Can we just have a cookie policy that just says, Fuck you! We'll do what we want, fuckers. Fuck you! Or just a guy just shrugging his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Come on! That's just the cookie monster. Oh, yeah. You better cookie policy. There must have been a bit of malware called the Cookie Monster at some point. Probably. You don't even need cookies to track people anyway. You need the NSA. You could do it with, like, caching of images. Somebody proved the other day. Well, there's all kinds of weird ways. 
I guess if you have access to the browser cache, then you could probably see the number of files, depending on how the cache stores them. It probably exactly. stores them about where how where they came from. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah, so yeah, yeah. video I'm, games. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure really about if there's any much news of interest. I suppose PS4 have been somewhat quiet of late. I think <laughs> that's true. They haven't really been ramping up. The, um, I let's mean, go Gamescom. Yeah, I mean, that it, stuff, it did but... go to Gamescom, but that was mostly like indie stuff on show, wasn't it? Like saying, hey, we're still doing this indie stuff. You just don't have any killer apps, which is irritating. But no, neither does the Xbox One, to be honest. Uh, I guess Forza. But, um... Yeah, for Forza's definitely the launch game most interesting. I saw that Crimson Dragon might actually be a launch title now. All right. So, because um, at the one point, I think they kind of said it wasn't. But it seems to have turned up on a number of launch lists. So it's, okay. So maybe it will come out in time. Looking more likely. Boop boop. How to find it? A sort of. I don't know if I should admit to this. Really, I had a sort of dumb thought the other day where it's just like, oh god, I wonder what Dead or Alive is going to look like on next gen. <laughs> How much more horrific can it get? Oh god. <laughs> I thought I saw some. There was some really misogynist thing, and I assumed it was Dead or Alive or something, but. I think it was Metal Gear Solid. Oh, yeah, MGS5. Yeah. There's been a thing about, yeah, how they supposedly sexed up the female characters in that. Right. Oh. Like, why I chose to make this lady have more boob? Well, it's meant to be like the 80s, you know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> makes sense. Is that allowed? <laughs> it's not written in the 80s. No, but it's, made, it's like a fancy 80s environment. It's like... Everything was more ridiculous. <laughs> shoulder pads. Every female soldier has to wear shoulder pads. Female shoulder soldiers. Shoulder soldiers. Shoulder soldiers. <laughs> and carry around enormous mobile phones. Yep. And they better get some of that in. You better, you better have like a ridiculous briefcase satellite phone or something. <laughs> and and, and dance uncontrollably to Rick Astley. <laughs> I don't think they did that, actually, in the 80s. <laughs> That's more of a t- 2000s phenomenon. The Ran <laughs> I mean, the song, was, the song was out, but nobody danced it. Yes. We know the right crowd. That song's genius. Yeah, I'm out of anything interesting. When does that come out, then? It's, that's that's cross platform, isn't it? Metal Gear Solid, isn't uh, it? Yeah, because well, yeah, I think they they showed it originally at the the first glimpse we got was at the well the first sort of the stealth horse thing. Yeah, at, was at the Xbox conference. Right. Yeah, that's um, right. Stealth horse. So yeah, it is definitely going to be multi platform. Uh, I don't think they really said when. I think it's pretty sure it's not launch. No, ain't so, no kind of launch game. No. Okay. Um, so it's going to be sometime into next year, I would wager. Mm. Um, like probably, if an MGS launch lineup is anything like, probably this time next year. So is Killzone a launch game? I guess. Yeah, Killzone's launch. Okay, well that could be okay. It looked different enough to other Killzones. Uh, well, not that Killzone 2 and 3 were bad or anything. No, they're fine games. They're fine games. They're just not really... They don't stand out to me. No. And, you know, Killzone 2 had all those weird like, weighty feel problems that they supposedly fixed later on. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's a, it's Killzone's a weird title. And apparently they really, really fuck with the, like, story elements and had, like, just generally unlikable characters. Like, yeah, yeah. Just filling the roster. Um, I couldn't tell you anything that happened, really, in Killzone 2 or right. who, who the people are or 
um, other than I think your character has a bit of a, um, a mohawk going on. <laughs> That's pretty much all I know. Mm-hmm. They were kind of cool. I keep telling myself I should probably go back and play Killzone 2 just to. Cause this is a, I remember it being like a pretty impressively looking, impressive looking game. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it came out. Yeah, so I wonder if it still stands stands up to that but in the face of games like Uncharted and um, The Last of Us. Fucking ridiculous that that, that um, PS3 launch, uh, it unveiling their pre-rendered video. Oh, yeah. They claim to us. You still can't get to that, even on the new consoles. It's Such bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although they're getting pretty close. Yeah, they're getting close. Kill, yeah, the new Killzone footage just is pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. Goddamn yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah. The city. That's real. They're flying through the city. It's pretty yeah. amazing, and I think it is real. That, that, is, that has to be said. That I think that is one of the best graphical demos we've had of the new system. I think it is. Yeah, with the possible exception of the Quantic Dream stuff. Yeah, because that was pretty damn sweet. Um, if somewhat constrained in scope. Yeah. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose Beyond comes out soon as well. Yeah. I've been hearing sort of not the yeah, best People aren't about sure it. about yeah. it, yeah. Well, I think people have the same problem with Heavy Rain and that, you know, it's... And maybe I, I get the feeling that perhaps Beyond will be a little bit more acceptable now because we've had more of these not-game games over the last few years, if you know what I mean. Things like Dear Esther and Proteus and... Mm-hmm. Things that just want to tell a narrative, which is kind of what Heavyweight Rain was, really. Just mm-hmm. a narrative of quick time events. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wonder if it will probably be more accepted. Um, I do hear a lot of places just keep referring to it as the Ellen Page simulator. But <laughs> awesome. It's probably no bad thing. I mean, I think we should start with news before we start and keep padding no, the shit no, we don't you're really right. know about. No, absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead. What have you been playing, Rob? Alrighty. Um, so I've had a somewhat weird couple of weeks because uh, I had, I remember, I think it was, was it last time on the cast I was telling you about my computer's overheating problems? Yeah. And so <laughs> I sort of wasn't happy with it after I, after, soon after that. Um, I, so I noticed that although it, the idle temperature had improved after I reseated everything, the load temperature was still really high so at the end of last week Zach and I did a, a Final Fantasy video and I, try, I was trying to get the encoding done at mm-hmm. the start of this week and uh, yeah, when it, that's probably one of the hardest things you can ask your CPU to do because it just maxes out and that temperature was getting very close to 100 and mm-hmm. it's like that is way too high, mm-hmm. it's like over 80 is dangerous, like yeah. over 90 is you, you need to be papping yourself and like near 100 is just like fucking what? It's yeah, so I got really sort of paranoid at that point and was like, oh, God. Um, I couldn't work it out. The, the, the cooler seemed fairly well seated, as far as I could tell. I gave it a bit of a, um, you know, just to make sure, or just made sure everything was nice and tight, gave it a poke, turned it all back on again. Same effect, no real mm-hmm. no no improvement. So I ordered this ridiculous motherfucking cooler. Yeah. Um, I got a, it's called the Akasa Nero, right. the third edition, that would fit my chipset. It's enormous. Yeah. It's like it barely fits in the case. Yeah. In fact, technically it doesn't fit in the case because like if I put if I was to put the door of my case on in the right way, the case fan would just, just hits the Yeah. Hits the thing. Fortunately that was like I don't do that anymore because of that stupid problem we talked about a few weeks ago. I now rotate my door so the the case fan points at the GPU to stop that from overheating. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> 
So I'm in a super ridiculous space right now. But this thing is pretty cool. It was, it was quite, quite. It required quite a um, a ridiculous sort of build to get it to go in. I had to take the entire machine apart. So hard drives had to come out to make way for me to unplug something, so I could get the motherboard out of the case, so I could put a back plate on the back of it in order to mount the cooler, so it could hold itself securely to the motherboard. Right, because it's so freaking enormous. Um, it is just a massive heatsink with like four U-shaped heat pipes leading into it. So mm-hmm. it's um, and a uh, and a fat and a bigger and a big one hundred twenty mil fan that yeah. sort of hangs off the side on rubber things so it's not really connected and it's got like a, a wobble room and stuff like that so in theory doesn't even like nudge the nudge the sink from moving at all and supposedly makes less noise because of it and that kind of stuff so it's been it's a pretty cool thing and it sort of has worked but not perhaps as well as i was expecting because i saw reviews and stuff which might have been using a later i7 processor which yeah. got, a, got a little bit um cooler mm-hmm. um in the last few generations where you know they managed to get a whole 30 degrees better than the stock cooler yeah. using this thing. And that was pretty much what sold me on it. And it's yeah. just like, okay, that seems that seems exactly what I need. Yeah. Uh, in reality, I get more to a sort of 10 to 20, depending on the circumstance. So my idle temp is actually pretty close to what it is normally, which is about 40 to 50. Yeah. But my operating temp is now sort of down to 70-ish, which is at least in the safe zone. That idle temp like, seems really high. <laughs> it, yeah, it does. It does. It is, it is high. But first gen i sevens are crap, basically. That like Is that it? Okay. first gen i sevens generate a lot of heat. Yeah, like they are they're pretty shit processors for that. I and finally it's... got around to actually installing core temp so I could have my desktop widget actually yeah. show the temperatures. So it's really apparently my on idles at like not even thirty. <laughs> but that's that's more sensible. That's what it, yeah. that's kind of where things should be. But you've got a like a gen or two after me. Yeah. Um, in terms of the processor, and they got they did get a lot better pretty quickly. Can you see what so, mine's idling at? Uh, not from here. <laughs> okay. My eyes are not that good. Do you have core temp running? Or? Yeah. yeah. It's, on, it's on that top left thing. Yeah. So anyway, under under extreme load, I now get it down to 70, which I'm kind of happy with, like, because it is better. And it is kind of a testament to how good how good that cooler is, I suppose, that I'm getting nearly 30 degrees improvement. Or maybe load. nothing changed. And it was, oh. and it, and, yeah, maybe nothing changed and I just fitted it properly this time. Yeah. I don't know. But, it was um, just a coincidence. Yeah. It's everyone's favourite computer problems. Yeah. So that kind of put me out of using my PC for about a week. Okay. Um, but, well, most of this week. But for the first few uh, first week, I did manage to get a shit ton more awesome knots in. Yeah. Okay. It's like, God damn, I love that game. It's, it's so just what I... It's got that draw that I haven't had for a while. It's just like, what, what should I do now? Play around with Awesome Knots? All right. It's pretty cool. And Kippers has been playing it as well cool. in his normal rage, ragey fashion, yeah. which is somewhat embarrassing <laughs> at times. Um, it's a good thing that that game doesn't Fuck. have like all talk or anything, like or, but, or voice support inbuilt. And it's just like, you get, it's kind of worse almost because it means he's having to like uh, put this shit in text. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like like uh, effort to rent. Um, uh, yeah, so there's that. I'm loving it. They added a new character um, called Admiral Swiggins. Who is a? He's kind of cool. He's like a a, a British octopus pirate. Um, okay. <laughs> it's like I don't I don't really like using him. He's one of the more difficult to use characters. Um, but he's a bastard to fight against someone who's good at. It. And it's um, um, he has a lot of like, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of his speech is kind of random. 
pirate things intermingled with like British cliche, like yo ho ho and a cup of tea. Okay, it's like just in the middle of a fight, or I'd be like, oh, terribly sorry. This <laughs> is kind of weird, but it's it's kind of cool. He's he's neat. Um, I find it weird that they still decided to add him as a character when they're trying to fund the expansion pack, which adds three more noughts to the game and uh, a level or two. So it's like, okay, why, why do I why do I want to fund your Kickstarter if you're just adding shit to the game for free? <laughs> Unless it was always planned that he was going to be there or something, and they're just fulfilling their early promises. I don't know. That was a bit weird. They could be stretch goals or something, I guess. Maybe, but, you know, the... But as I say, they've, they've released this character before the Kickstarter even finished. Right, okay. So it's like the, the game has a big, like, hey, we're on Kickstarter button. that will take you to, to the page and that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, I think it's a little weird. A bit weird. Um, and they added Isla not that long ago. So, weird. Mm. Uh, who cares? I got some stuff for free. Um, there were, so I also started on Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing Transformed. Yeah, it's pretty good. Long last. It's yeah, it's, it's actually I'm enjoying it quite a lot. It's pretty good. Kart racing. Yeah, it's the the kind of influence of some of the the, the, the bizarre pick, stuff. Some of the bizarre stuff is it's kind of obvious in places because they have simplified the power up system. So there's like it feels like there's less of it than there was in the previous game, which there wasn't much there to begin with, to be honest. But it feels like there's less of it now, and it's a little bit more. What the power-ups do is a bit more sensible, I suppose. And more blur-like, then. Yeah, kind of. You get your, your your classic dumb fire thing, which the, they call the ice bullets. And then you've got... I'm not quite sure where some of the Sega references to these things come in, but never mind. Um, the, the blowfish is your leave-on-the-middle-of-the-track kind of banana-style weapon. Um, there's a what they call the drone, which goes in the red shell effect, which is kind of neat because in a way, when you fire it, you can actually see its targeting cursor, so you can see where the drone is, who the drone is heading for. Aiming so if it for, skips yeah. the guy in front of you, you kind of go, "Oh, he's going for that guy over there," um, which is kind of neat. Um, they, they, like the 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 blue shell equivalent is basically st- straight out of blur. It's like they um, the blur one is the shock towers mm-hmm. that create these like zones that you have to avoid. Otherwise, you get. But in, in this, they just have a swarm of bees. So it's like they create bees, giant bees on the track. <laughs> Just try and avoid them if you're in front. Awesome. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it plays pretty well. Um, they've changed the physics of the cart handling, so it's a little more um, realistic. A little less sort of like... Uh, a little less tight, I suppose. But a little more real because of it. Um Right. I don't know, there's something about the original one where it's just like you move left, you're just going to move left in an instant, not really a momentum-y sort of field. Okay, no real weight no. to stuff. Yeah, even if, you have, if you're drifting, it doesn't really feel necessarily like you're uh, traveling at the speed you should be and that kind of stuff. So that's been improved, and it's, the boat stuff is really momentum-y. So when you're in the boat, you're sort of bouncing off waves and stuff, and if you catch it at the wrong angle, you might be airborne for a while, traveling in the wrong direction, right. that kind of stuff. The, the boats are kind of fun, actually. I kind of wish they'd perhaps put a little more work into the boats than they had, because the the, the the sections of track you're on when you're in a boat are normally quite simple. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? They don't really test you, I suppose, in the boats that much. Um, they just use it as a way to vary up the tracks, but... Um, but they're probably one of the better elements of how things handle because the planes are cool as well, but they're just planes, you know. Just point in the direction you want to go and it will go there. Yeah. Um, 
which makes the, the combat in, they they tend not to really have much in the way of like course design necessarily in the air some of the time and just like a free area yeah and then but then try and sort of make you a little bit combat focused so they'll put plenty of power ups about because then if you're using stuff like the the ice shot and thing it becomes difficult to hit people because they haven't got any surface to, yeah so you have to sort of aim it a bit more and there's, there's a little bit of auto aim to help you out there but it's um uh, but it's kind of neat because they have a whole level basically based on that mechanic based around our afterburner where there's just like two aircraft carriers and you <laughs> you do a bit of driving along one, take to the air, shoot some guys down, do a U-turn, a little bit in the water, take to the air, shoot some more guys down, do a U-turn, and that's the track. Right, that's um, the whole so thing. So it's like, it's all about air combat, which is kind of neat. That's kind of fun. It's like, yeah, so, some of the track design is a bit... Is that based on the, the uh, it's, uh, Sonic Adventure 2 crazy um, aircraft carrier stuff? Uh, no, no, that's actually Afterburner that they've, oh, like, it's they've gone for. And, oh, I see. So... Uh, it looks it looks a bit more like the look from Afterburner Climax, right? Yeah, a more recent one than the original one, naturally, I suppose. But uh, yes, yeah, they've gone for that. Yeah, some of the track designs are kind of cool. Some are a lot better than others. I think in some places they've been a little conservative because they they introduced this idea that's kind of cool where the tracks will change as the race is going on. It's a, it's a pre-scripted way, so it's yeah the same each race, but each lap is going to be slightly different. So the Panzer Dragoon course. Um, is kind of cool because as I say, like, at one point during the level, a bit of the track gets destroyed by a dragon, and uh, and and you're then forced to take a boat route. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next time you come around, a, a different part of a walkway you drove across has been destroyed. So you take to the air and then go around the entire lap, the, the the lap as an air lap, and it's so it's kind of neat. It kind of makes those uh, like three times one minute, which is mm-hmm. three times one minute lap races feel more like a solid three minute race. Mm. Um, and it does work, but they don't use it all the time. Like not every track does it from it. On some tracks that do it, do it very subtly. Like there'll be one detail about the track that's slightly different. Like so, uh, the Billy Hatcher level, for instance, I think is one of the more boring ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, something's just fallen off the ceiling, and it's falling. It's created a, an icicle that's falling off the ceiling. It's created a ramp onto a different route that's only available on the last lap. Um, be something simple like that, or mm. something not very interesting. Um, which is a shame because they should do more of it. Like the monkey ball level, the only thing it does is like at one segment you're going downhill and there's a ton of um, obstacles in the way and the obstacle layout changes each lap. Right. Um, so it's, uh, uh, they probably could have done more of it. It's, it's really cool when they do do it. Probably. The Skies of Arcadia level is a fantastic example of it because the first two laps are pretty much the same. But on the last lap, it gets bombed to fuck. So there's not really much floor left. Oh no. So the entire last lap is it becomes a flying level amongst like all the destructing like bits of scenery that are in a different location because they've been blown up. And it's, that's pretty cool. It's like that game really shines when they're being creative with it like that. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's like the PC version has some interesting character additions that they've put in since, um, uh, since it came out, like, I don't think are on the consoles. Right. Like, print, you know, so when it launched, they had Wreck It Ralph randomly, um, and the, the guy they've got to mimic his voice is pretty bad. Oh no! Does, does, Couldn't even doesn't, get... doesn't really sound right. like the guy. Not not very closely. Um, but they also had Team Fortress. So there's a Team Fortress car in there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> kind of cool. What, what kind is it? Um, what does it look like? Uh, sort of. It looks a bit like a hot rod. Right. And it's um. um when, when the pyro drives it on land, um, and when it takes to the air, it becomes a sort of like uh, just 
a little prop plane, like with really short, stubby, stubby wings, and the yeah. spy flies it. Okay. Um, and I think the heavy takes control when it's a boat, and it's a okay. bit more like a one of those swamp hovercrafts. Mm. Um, when it's in the scene, that's so that's pretty cool. And they do a little cool when 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 the they go into All Star, you get the Team Fortress theme, but it's got a bit of a funky beat behind it. Okay, so that's that's kind of cool. They've done a good job with that. Um, but some of the other characters they've added are just weird because they've been pulling them in from their other Sega franchises that they have. So you have Football Manager, okay, which is a little strange. Um, Shogun or something. Total War. Yeah, there's a Shogun character as well, which is a, a, a bit of a non-starter because really, it doesn't really have a proper transformation like animation they just sort of like mask it in like a shogun symbol or something and then when it goes uh, away it's like your cheating cars, like, yeah, yeah they cheated a little bit um it's probably really hard to come up with those animations but they've also got um a russian general from a company of heroes company of heroes too yeah okay. because yeah naturally sega owned that so they can just chuck that in there which is kind of weird because when the, in the middle of the game like the, the all-star activates and all of a sudden this just very russian <laughs> music starts playing like <laughs> it's just really strange. It's really bizarre. Um, but they also have General Willemus from Rome 2. Really? Yeah. What? <laughs> Which is even weirder. That is even weirder. Some of the speech they have for those characters is pretty funny. Because um, they've just sort of made shit up. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. They're, they're just, it's just really weird additions that they've put in that are kind of funny nonetheless. Along with real traditional... Like pretty much the same roster they had before. So this most of the Sonic guys, you know, um, ooh la la, and, um, crazy taxi man, mm-hmm. Baby Joe, um, and some Jet Set Radio stuff. Jet Set Radio. Oh, Alex Kidd's back as well. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an all right game. Um, I did suffer for some technical issues getting it started. So, um, like Cinemora, top tip: don't run your monitor in 120 hertz mode. The game does not like it. Okay. <laughs> For all those people who have 120 hertz monitors, yeah, um, yeah, the game does not like it. You have to put it back in 60 to get a smooth frame rate out of it, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame. Uh, yeah, recommend. And you can. It's often on deal. So, yes, you know. get it when it's cheap. Yeah, and the Steam's excellent. Hey, yeah, having fun with that. Um, Speaking of Rome 2, I heard that hasn't got the best reviews. I've on. heard a lot of middling. Something. Yeah. yeah, a bit buggy. They've been quite ambitious with some of it. Like, you know, their animation model is now no longer, like, crowd-based. Mm-hmm. So they, they have, like, everyone is being animated individually. Right. Um, uh, you know, rather than that. So it's having, it's having to work it out. I'm doing a lot more calculations to figure out everyone's actions. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks very brown to me. It looks like that game has just had an, had has been through the next gen filter. Possibly, yeah. It's, it doesn't look as vibrant or as clear as it perhaps has done in other iterations. Hmm. Um, I don't really know much about the meta game. The only stuff I've seen has been of the like the battles, the battles. So can't really judge. I don't really understand those games that well. Anyway, I remember like playing not not from a like why they're good kind of point. Yeah. I just don't understand kind of how they play. Yeah, I tried to. I did try and play Shog- the original Shogun at one point, but was just terrible at it. So it's... Yeah, I'm pretty shit. I end up in a, like a big bundle mess. Well, no matter like, how yeah. hard I work to try and do some ingenious pincer movement or something, it always ends up like... Something goes wrong. That was just what I immediately found about that Shogun 2 demo when I tried it before you even had it. Where it was just like... 
it gives you it gives you that option to have like overarching formations where it just automatically lays your guys out. But that's totally useless because you, yeah. you can never maintain proper formations. No, they won't stick to stuff. <laughs> well, I always found that you know, if if I came up with a plan. By the time I'd got around to executing it, the timing just didn't work anymore. Things just hadn't panned out it the way, move, I, I, yeah. way I'd planned and said, oh, these guys are totally in the wrong place now. Shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just not very good at those. Like, I kind of appreciate that they sort of go for the, the level of historical accuracy they try and gun for in those games is yeah. supposedly somewhat where they go for. I, I've heard that perhaps that's a little bit questionable this time round. Maybe like some of the stuff they start to claim isn't quite right for some reason. I don't know. I used to always because this cavalry was like, hey, the cavalry, yeah. If, when they charge, they like do loads of damage when they smash into people mm. and stuff. So I'd be like, charge, even if it's like miles, I like, charge, <laughs> like smash into out. them, and it would work to some extent. And then they were kind of stuck in the middle. And then I'd say, right. Retreat and then come back and then challenge again. Uh-huh. Retreat because I thought, well, that maybe that will give me the, the, the benefit over and over again. But it was just really dumb. Like, do they not run know. out of stamina or something? Yeah, they do. Or... Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. It's just like everything ends up in like a quagmire mm. whenever I do any of that. Anyway, yeah, never quite like snuck up on people. It's like, oh, hey, all these pikemen are facing the wrong direction. Yeah. Let's, let's get them. Yeah. They all just turn around by the time I get there. And it's like, oh, well, fuck that. Then. Yeah. <laughs> I think the original Shogun had incendiary pigs. Sounded much cooler. That was in Rome first. I oh, was in the Rome, original sorry. Rome had incendiary pigs. Oh, maybe yeah. Rome was the one I played then. Probably. I had that. Yeah. So uh, that was quite good, though. I like the campaign mode on that, the map on that. But um, I hear, I mean, that was fairly polished. I, I hear that the new one isn't. Compared to Shogun 2, it's like, okay, they've been ambitious, but they've lost the polish or whatever. Hmm. Um, too too much tech, not enough of the soul? Possibly, yeah. Hmm. It's lost it. It's a bit buggy in places. Yeah, so that's a bit of a shame. Because hmm. it, it, it kind of could have been like the pinnacle of that whole series, given that everyone loved the original Rome. Yeah. And that, and that they've been done so many developments since then. It's just the same. It's yeah. the game, isn't it? Well, I, yeah, what else can you? It is a difficult series to carry on unless you unless you start finding new um, periods of time, new styles yeah. of warfare to try and tackle. It's hard how, to, how do. to keep it interesting. It's like I mean, you could the gap start between gap perhaps between Shogun One and Shogun Two was a bit more uh, acceptable, but perhaps than Rome to gap. Rome Two. Yeah. Um, that's true cause, and yeah. because yeah the, the game had changed so much since then you know cause when Shogun won there's like none of them were 3D models were they on the no, battlefield it was no. all sprites that's and, a long time ago though yeah. yeah and you know they updated the meta game so there was a lot more in it so you know for those that are interested in Japanese history then that's that seemed like a sensible move but yeah that was cool the jump from Rome 1 to Rome 2 doesn't seem as pronounced um, still like 10 years or something. yeah don't get me wrong it, it, it will still be a big jump but it just Perhaps it loses something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the jump. I don't know. I mean, it's just an outsider view. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, anyway, yeah. Um, so there's one other thing I played. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this was during because I didn't really. It was kind of convenient when my system was down actually because I was kind of busy a lot of that a lot of the evenings of that week. So there was system was down indeed. Um, but I did play Journey. Mm-hmm. Like, so the indie darling of last year, I finally played. Yeah. 
the um, PS3 game. It's pretty good. It's pretty damn great, actually. Um, a bit shorter than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I managed to clear it in two hours. Wow. Um, okay. But which is, but then again, I'm not sure that was. I think that's a sensible length for that game because they don't really do that much mechanically. But I mean, they have an idea and they kind of stick with it thematically, mm-hmm. and it's um, like the floatiness and the sort of flying and the relying on the scarf to stay afloat and yeah um it's uh and and, and that, that stuff all works they just don't really necessarily expand on it too much towards the end of the game it's uh it's more about it's more about just being in the world and making um making sense of the wordless narrative which is kind of told to you through like um ancient glyphs and kind of stuff that you'll see like these old old paintings kind of tribal style of what happened to the civilization before and mm-hmm. and so it somewhat explains the life of the the guys in the red cloaks and uh not com- not completely it doesn't make total sense if i'm honest there are some bits where it's just like but then how does and how does wait what <laughs> mm. but maybe that's the point you know perhaps or perhaps you're not supposed to get too tied up in that stuff either though um as just a as just a world to go through, it is a wonderful thing. As we said, it's a, it's a lovely world. It's rendered beautifully. It's um, you know the, the glistening sand, while it's not necessarily realistic, is 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 really nice, nice to look at and a nice thing to trudge through. Weirdly, mm. it's like you're sort of light footed, so it doesn't take. You can climb up dunes, not too difficult, but you know, the animation does change to make it look like you're climbing properly, and then. If there's any kind of downward slope, you just kind of glide down it. Um, there were some places like where I felt, felt like because there were a couple of sections that you you may have seen from like the trailers and stuff where you're like gliding downhill on the sand for a while and stuff like that. And, the, and there was a, a confusing mechanical shift that happened for me at that point where you know most of the time when you're in a downwards glide, I could just stop and start walking back up the dune. Mm-hmm. In these sections, you're kind of like on rails a little bit. You cut, you can't turn around, but you could sort of try. And then the game resists. So it's like, you don't really want to be doing this. Come on, go down the hill. And it's like, but there's something I missed. I saw it. And it's like, I want to go investigate it. And it's sort of then mechanically kind of forces you not to, which I thought, I thought it was a bit of a shame. Mm-hmm. It's like, it kind of felt a little out of place for the rest of the game, the, yeah. the, the, you know, for this exploration and freedom-y sort of feel to suddenly take that away when I wasn't expecting it. It was just like, that's nah, perhaps a little, perhaps they could have handled that a touch better. Yeah. Um, or at least made it so I couldn't like stop on a down on the downward slope and try and turn round and at that point of turning round it go, No, 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 you're yeah. going down the hill, yeah. whether you like it or not. Mm. It just restrict me in some way that you made it so I couldn't try. Mm. <laughs> Perhaps that would have helped. But uh But yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty great thing. The music is incredible, the as I say, the visual is, is good. The I should talk about the companion thing, because that's kinda yeah. that's kinda clever. Um, so during the course of my journey, I had about seven or eight companions. Other people flit in and out of my game every now and then. Um, I think most of them were kind of pros that they'd done it before, and so kind of knew the mechanics. And that was kind of interesting because it's they were lead. Uh, there was one guy that I spent the majority of the story with because it kind of knows to stick with you. Like if you're carrying through levels at the same time, the the same guy will be with you throughout the. Throughout the bit, so he was like pointing out, "Oh, there's a there's a thing over here." But of course, you can't say that. You have to. The game has no voice support mm-hmm. um, on purpose, so mm-hmm. they have to go to this place and sort of like use the little chirp command 
to sort of say, hey, look at this, look at this. And it's kind of cool because then you go, oh, yeah, there's something, there's something over here I should go pay attention to. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, de- it definitely adds something. I was a bit skeptical about it at first because my first few encounters were some dude, just, just some guy in the level doing their own thing mm-hmm. and going about. And it's like, well, okay, that doesn't really add to anything. It's just like, just makes me wonder, why is there another guy here? You know? um, why has he opened stuff out? Before? And it does have a potential to perhaps for you to lose something yourself if you're unlucky. Okay. Like, how does that happen? Um, in the sense that they could activate a part of the level. And yeah. if you're not there, you sometimes you might miss one of the camera angles. Or like, the world would change, but you might miss the angle to explain what's going on. Or um, doesn't always stay focused like that. Um, and if you're going certain, there are if you if you really want to play this game for the trophies, there could be an occasion where your teammate would mean that, or your teammate, your companion would could cause something to mean that you wouldn't get that trophy because they've done the, the series of events that the trophy is about in a different way. I see. Um, but you could just go offline, I guess, if you were really, really wanted to go for that. Okay, uh, the inclusion of trophies is a little baffling, to be honest, because it's, it's not one of those games that really... It's not about them. I mean, yeah, it, it could force you to go and explore the game in a different way, maybe, if you ran through it again, but it seems like a weird thing to add. It's like, it's like adding uh, a fetch quest to Dear Esther or something, oh, you know? Okay. It's like, that wouldn't, yeah. Well, there is one for getting finding all of the mysterious runes mm-hmm. in the game, which mm-hmm. is basically that they make your scarf longer and let you float for longer. So there is a kind of mechanical point in, but there is an achievement for finding them all. You don't have to do it in one run. Okay. You just have to have found all of them at some point. Yeah. And it's like, well, really, but yeah, okay, yes, your game is about exploration, but it's kind of the, the not knowing is as powerful as the knowing in that game, and it's. Uh, yeah, I just don't think they need to be there. Like, <laughs> and that one during the gliding sections, like during the sliding, like, oh, make sure you go through enough of the archways. Like, why? You didn't make that mechanically obvious that I needed to, so you just put that in just for a trophy. Mm-hmm. And the game, uh, the, and again, because of the structure of the game, they haven't compromised on like making a, a, a menu essentially that you could just like use to chapter select. When you say chapter select, it takes you to a part of the level, and there are places there that then could warp you to the various chapters if you wanted to go back and play it later mm-hmm. but it's not the most convenient you can't just jump into level and then go oh if i that, retry you know like i want to go for the trophy just retry it's like it's not for that and the game is not designed for that it's yeah but yeah i i, I, enjoy, I really enjoyed it i gotta be said that was a good two hours great it's like probably a bit expensive for a two-hour experience if i'm honest mm-hmm. but it's a high quality experience. Mm. I guess it would appeal to the types that perhaps have a thing for sort of. I suppose if you want high quality art, I guess you you do pay a bit more to see it. I suppose like go to like the the best galleries. Or yeah, the, if you go to the theatre, it costs a lot more than cinema, doesn't it? Exactly. Same yeah. amount of time. It, it is a. It does. It did, does strike that vibe with me that you know perhaps it's not for everyone because of that reason. It's, yeah, that makes um, sense. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I think because of those reasons, perhaps I wouldn't have rated it as highly maybe as some of the Game of the Year stuff did at the end of last year. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Perhaps the gamer in me is still asking for a little bit more from it. Like I could sort of understand why Walking Dead was up there because there's a bit, I, you know, you're getting some longevity out of the time it took to get through that thing. You're getting some uh, involvement with... Um, 
you know, the choices you made perhaps it would have had a bit more impact on that world. You know, there's a bit more of a game to The Walking Dead, even though it's a narrative focused thing. Yeah. Um, I can't quite justify the sort of. I forget what the cost was of it when it came out. Like Journey, it was like perhaps nearly fifteen quid, something like that. It's now it's, it's since dropped to ten. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. That feels steep. It is really good, but it's just yeah. I can't bring myself to think that's five times the Rob Pound per hour. Right? It is. That's, that that's... doesn't quite meet the your your <laughs> standard. Yeah, I understand there. Yeah. Sense. But yeah, cool thing. Cool. It's good that you've played that before the end of the generation. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm glad I did. It's, it did push us a lot of similar buttons to what Dear Esther did for me. You know, it sort of makes you think a little bit. You just I kind of want to play that, um, way. that What's that new one? Uh, Gone Home or whatever. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that, that probably that pushed the same Dear Esther buttons. Yeah, I think. Um, Perhaps because that one's perhaps a little more involved by the looks of it. Than, yeah, because you know, the narrative doesn't just happen. No, yeah. you have to you have to investigate it yourself and yeah. find and put the pieces together as you want. Um, and again, that's a bit polarizing. That from what I've read, like some people really love that approach. Yep. To figuring out the story by yourself, and other people are just like, "This isn't a fucking game." Yeah. I'm so I wasted my money on this. Like, you know, there's been people saying that. It's like, Whatever. I'm not sure if they knew what they were getting into, maybe. Apparently but. not. <laughs> cool. Jenny. Okay. Uh, and it's been like two weeks. Sorry, I've taken up more time than I expected for that. That's no problem. I've got most of the this week. Again, I'm looking forward very much to Grand Theft Auto to the point where I realise that my I have so much holiday for my um, notice period because I've quit my job that um, I might be able to go uh, have two weeks plus a couple of days or something but the point was that when we worked out my final day it was like the day after Grand Theft Auto comes out I'm like oh time for a Grand Theft Auto holiday (laughs) yeah so I'm pretty much just gonna play Grand Theft Auto for like two weeks I think so uh, that's gonna be (laughs) awesome yeah there's been new screenshots and there's a lot to try there and stuff but I just I did consider perhaps like now taking a day or two around the Xbox One launch yeah you know soak it in yeah yeah I've got loads of holiday. But... Yeah, you should take some just yeah. so you don't burn out. But uh, yeah, could do. But yeah, so. I don't know if that's bad or not. Is it, is it bad really to do that? Like, I'm going to take a holiday to play a game. No, it's just... a cheap, cheap holiday, isn't it? It's like, it's a, lot of, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of responsibility. You know, a lot of people like. I mean, it depends on your priorities and stuff, but I find that, like, yeah. There's a holiday that you're allocated or whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, they'll take two weeks in a big block in August and they'll go fucking other side of the world or sure. something mm-hmm. and they'll half kill themselves walking around a city and stuff, which is awesome experience and stuff. But then you end up, you've used up all your holiday mm-hmm. and you're more tired than when you started. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you can take a couple of days and like sit and play a video game, that's really good. Like, well, you know, yeah, the last long weekend recharge was kind of that for me because I had nothing on during it. No one was away for it. And I did nothing. Yeah. And it was pretty nice. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> good to do nothing sometimes. Yeah. I mean, of course, uh, Zach's the expert, but. Uh, uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> does that every day. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'd rather have a, a Zach style lays than a, like a, a crazy. Um, I wanna, you want to do both, though. Really? Yeah, you want you want to. I suppose if you, if you take like two weeks of holiday, perhaps like 
one day of late, one week of days, and one week of one week of on, yeah. And, and make that if you can make that week somewhere in the middle of it, so you've got like a buffer zone either side, At either end. Yeah, that might be good because probably most people, when they go on holiday, they leave on a weekend and arrive back on a weekend. So you might work out well in terms of yeah uh, the traveling if you travel in the midweek and then have a few days of oh, no. Yeah, exactly. I think you might need that. Yeah, that could be a, a good plan. But can't afford to go abroad right now, so it's going to have to be yeah. sitting, sitting play again. Although I am going to Paris next week, so yeah, yeah. that counts. Which, which, it's only a long which, weekend. Which fun. You got which a plan for that? You got, a, got, you got, well, you got a hit list of things to do? Not really. We've been a few times before, so we're probably oh, okay. going to do years ago. Mm. Uh, so we'll probably do some of those old itinerary things, but I haven't really been thinking about it because I've been a bit worried about changing my whole life. So... Mm. Uh, so uh, I need to do a bit of thinking about where where we ought to go and see. But yeah, be nice anyway. Nice hotel and chocolat chaud and uh, chocolat chaud. Bit of the old uh, Musée d'Orsay gallery, etc. Musée d'Orsay. Musée d'Orsay. <laughs> various other places. So Le Louvre. Yeah, well, our tradition is not. The Eiffel. Our tradition is not to go in the Louvre or up the Tour Eiffel. Catacombs. Or to the catacombs, yeah. But but you've got to do them once, surely. I guess, yeah, you'd think so, yeah. I thought catacombs was kind of cool. Yeah, but it is kind of cool. It's quite far from the centre. Basement of skulls. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like your mug you got up in the catacombs. Yeah, it's a cool mug. Yeah. I love skulls. I would like that. She's big into skulls. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So yes. GTA. And I've been reading interviews and stuff with the guy. The guy that spent the last five years doing all the art and stuff. You know, oh, no. in, in command oh, yeah. of all the, the giant army of artists. Are you in danger of being too into it before it comes out? Possibly. There was one guy going on about... There was, apparently they had one lighting graphic specialist who's done nothing but work on like the perfect Californian sunshine for like five years <laughs> trying to get the exact right shade of the it comes across really well in all the screenshots like yeah really, true like, true. like the skies in Red Dead were really good and the sunsets and things so if they put that same or even more kind of effort into this <laughs> that, that'll pay off so, it is true that, yeah there's a certain thing uh, that's, that's probably where things have got a lot better I think over the course of this generation is that this style of lighting that people are using now it sort of definitely sort of fits the regions they're trying to mimic yeah exactly um, quite closely now and they also said they've got some sort of super optimised lighting system that they worked out a way to process cheaply Hmm. on the current hardware where like if you look and you see uh, streets in addition all the lights along the streets and stuff are the, the real lights so you can make the shape of the roads are what they will be when you actually get over there, for example. Do you see what I mean? So Because it's difficult to have oh, many, many see. light so, sources so in, a, in a world. Cause so they, so they just make something that represents what the lighting would be in, at that time of day, I guess. And just, so yeah. They're just like an object. It's not really actual lighting. They're just using an object replacement to say, oh, well, it's going to be like this at this time, so we can do, render something much simpler. No, I think they're saying they used to do that, but now mm. they've managed to work out how to get the actual lights to remain for a long distance rather than, a, hmm. rather than approximate it. So they said yeah. they, they would have had to... Okay, you can't put that many lights in a world because there's just too expensive. Well, yeah, lighting then, is expensive. So you have to, you, you would, yeah, you would uh, opt, you know, you would just say after this distance, you have a, a light or something for the, to represent the whole village or whatever. Mm. But apparently they've got some cool new technique to allow them to maintain 
lots of individual light sources very long distance. Uh, Did they to... just render it on a big machine first and then take yeah. the, what that looks like and then say, well, we'll use that as what it should be Maybe. from afar? You'd have to do it from every angle, wouldn't you? But yeah, possibly. There's probably a load of yeah lookup tables and stuff for that kind of stuff. But yeah, anyway, they've got some awesome new tech in terms of optimizations. Hmm. So, Intriguing. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to know how that works. Yeah, me too. I mean, it was interesting to read. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty awesome, considering the, the age of the hardware and stuff. I think Just it probably... stay away from the internet, though, because of the leak. Yeah, the leak. Well, you know, there's story stuff. I mean, I'm not going to run into that. No one's going to spoil that. They're going to get a kick up the ass if they do. The, the I don't internet... know. I'm, w- I'm waiting for the, the Harry Potter Snake Kills Dumbledore moment. Like yeah. someone just shouts some the major plot Yeah. The internet were amazingly good with, with Bioshock Infinite spoilers. Like, yeah, I'm actually, a... su- somewhat somewhat surprised. Yeah. They had a, like, a, there was like a campaign on our gaming and stuff. Like, mm. if you spoil this for me, you will be murdered in your sleep, sort of thing. So <laughs> <laughs> extreme. Yeah, but not quite like that. But, you know, they, they went to great lengths to talk about it loads, but never, but not spoil anything, which was really cool. I don't think anyone really has, have they? Even now, they still have it really. Big. Yeah, it wasn't like you played it way late yeah, compared yeah. to me, and you didn't know. Yeah, still, they've still been good about it. Yeah. Haven't they? Yeah. Unless you specifically go hunting for a forum about it, then, yeah. then you're all right. Yeah, exactly. So, although it's not like a one-word spoiler like Luke, I am your father, or, or I see dead people. Uh, I guess not. I guess it is a little harder to convey. Convey, yeah. So, I suppose you could just say... kind of contextual. X is Y, or couldn't you? Maybe. Uh, well, yeah, I suppose there is one yeah. moment like that, yeah. yeah. An identity-style thing, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So I suppose, like the, the, the you know the DLC stuff says, well, Elizabeth's not dead, so there you go. Well, yeah, we know that much. Yeah, <laughs> don't know what's going on there. We'll find out, I guess. Yeah, that's going to be a weird one to explain, unless they just don't and just go, oh, this is just some other shit we just want to put together because it's having cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Zeg. I guess you've got quite a few. Sounds like you've bought a, an RPG of some kind. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> what else is going on? Well, also, I before I did, before there was actual, well, not really before, during the time when there was been actual games, I also continued to randomly poke a little bit more of that Games Maker. Oh, yeah, the one that's, like, kind of the same as the Games Factory. <laughs> yeah. Because, At least in the event system. Course, Does it have a grid, like... No, it's like the events are attached to the objects. Ah, so it's so all it's like, on the level editor. Yeah, of. pretty much. Yeah. That sounds of. quite hard to use. Yeah, that could be kind of awkward to. Well, it's, you'd have to have a big mental map of how that thing works. Really, it doesn't sound very discoverable. Well, sort of. But it's because, like, that was one of the things that I well. The first thing is that as I went through more of the tutorials, you discover, like, it's got the Engage Factory events, basically. Yeah. And it's got, like, actual code. And then you can, like, use any amount of either, like, you can just mash them together in whatever portions you want. So it's like, if you want to set a variable, you can just use the Engage Factory event where it's, like, set a variable. Or you can just write a single line of code where it's, like, very equal to whatever. <laughs> so it's like, you can do it whichever way you want, just, like, using either code or Engage Factory or a combination of both. But when you use the Games Factory style, can you then read the code that that's generated and change it? You see what I mean? Probably. Because it's like, if you assign, like, like that setting of variable, you you say what variable, 
yeah. as a name. So presumably, if you went into code, you could reference it by that same yeah name. And then, like, and then it also has like, if you want to change it from bit working on like normal games factory movement or whatever, you can toggle it into actual physics. So where it's like now we're working with actual physics, and you have to set like momentum and mass and stuff. Oh, cool! And like how many pixels per meter because it simulates it to like real world scale or whatever. Huh, interesting. And but then that's like kind of awkward in itself because you have to use like an entirely different set of commands because you're not just like it's not like Gage Factory where it's like set speed and whatever. Now you have to be like set momentum using a different physics operation. Yeah, you have to set it in vectors or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, the guy that made you know Tom Francis, what was the Gunpoint. game called? Gunpoint. He said that the collision detection was really hard to do, and that he'd like asked. A bunch of programmers had to do collision because it's like it's built in. That's what I'm. That's <laughs> yeah, well, the like, whole point of that thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they always had. Yeah, they always had overlapping collision detection. Isn't it? it was very basic. Well, if, it has if, like, if the active zone of this this sprite overlaps the active zone of this sprite, then that counts as a collision. Well, it has like yeah. collision masks, and then you can set it to be precise or non-precise. And then, if you're in a physics world, you basically draw a shape. Yeah, you had to make masks using a separate object in Games Factory, didn't you? You had to create a hidden object that perhaps had the collision mask that then that, yeah. you know, that was your active collision zone. Yeah. A bit like a hitbox. And then so yeah, the fact that they by the sounds of it they've got that as an included idea on an yeah, object, pretty much. So. But it's just like that's it's like that's sort of the whole point of because this is why I might actually get on with a games making thing like this and why Games Factory, you know, we did Games Factory at the time, is because I can't it's like I'm fine with code in theory, yeah. and it's like I can do maths course, <laughs> and I yeah. understand logic. But I don't. That's all you need. But I'm not good at like building shit from the ground up. I need a framework, which is like what this basically provides. It's like it's got collision detection and, <laughs> and how do you can put objects in a room. Yeah, and it's just like I sort, yeah. I sort of know what you mean because the, the game loop is kind of a daunting prospect. To yeah, me. like and you know, I'm I'm very used to my event or things run as fast as they can style programming you know i don't really have to worry about a loop in the majority of what i do yeah and it's like you know keeping the constant timing and the constant physics and the knowing how there's a limit to what you can do each frame kind of thinking is a kind of a different different approach approach, yeah yeah. and it's like you know building the framework to be able to deal with that is the core of a game yeah but now that's like that's what this basically does for you and you can it's like you can set the frame rate of the room and that determines how many steps there are so you can set, you know, timers based on the steps or whatever and change the frame rate to change how fast the game's running, basically. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at more of that and then, uh, then, was <laughs> then I started to get into, like, where where inevitably there's, like, things that are weird and awkward in in this specific case where it's like... I was trying, <laughs> The first thing I did when I started trying to make a game because... I think my problem is, like, I plan ahead too much. And so, like, I was like, okay, so I want to... I basically want to make a make it generate a level automatically, because yeah. you do that. Because, well, basically, it conveniently has, like, uh, random seeds is, like, a built-in concept, almost. So it, it's... Ran- when it does a random roll, it's based off a seed, but you don't necessarily know it unless you speci- specifically the use the thing to set the seed. So yeah. I was like, oh, that's useful. I can use that for randomly generating a level. So I was like, yeah, I want to do that. But then I thought, well, actually, 
I need. I, I mean, I could just make the game start and it generates the thing, but I want to kind of make it so that there's a, there's like a menu screen because <laughs> at some point there's going to need to be a menu screen and, and a transition into the actual game. Yeah, that is a bit premature. <laughs> yeah, but I can see where you come from. But it's like, yeah, it's important to have like. All it needs to do is have all I have it do at the moment Start. is like a blank screen and then you press enter and it goes to the actual game level. Yeah. But then I was like, yeah, but then I want to make a fancy transition as well. So uh, I, I might as well just like get that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Def- definitely tackling it from the wrong direction. Well, no, it was because it was like one of the tutorials basically deals uh, with that, that okay. kind of thing. And I was like, well, I, you know, this will be good practice to replicate this stuff sure. again. But then uh, the problem with the, the problem I ran into is because like, when you're using the code, the code still is. It's like you basically have events which are like, it like there's the step event for every step of the game, and then there's like the creation event for when an object appears, and then there's like timer events and all that stuff. But the code still runs within those events, so it's like you still have to say when something happens, then run this code. Yeah, it's async. Yeah, but then the trouble with that is like certain certain actions don't work unless they're in the right event. Like, you can't... Like, the problem I was having was I wanted to... It's like, you want to make a fade, so basically you make a a black rectangle that covers the screen, and it just changes its alpha value. So (laughs) That old old favorite. That old chestnut. Yeah, so it fades it out. But the trouble is, you can't put the the drawer events that draw the rectangle have to be in a drawer event, or they just don't work. (laughs) Okay. So, so what you have to draw event uh, every frame. Yeah, so you have to have the draw event every frame and then just change a value in another event that's on the timer that changes what the, the alpha, alpha in the draw event is. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's so, fine. so that's fine. That's as long as you've got a budget to do change alpha and draw every frame, which you obviously will. Yeah. If you're at yeah. It's just like that was kind of the first step where I was like, oh, this is kind of awkward. Because I it's like I just want That's you know, proper code based animation. <laughs> that's how that's how you have to plan this stuff about an animation framework. Yeah. So it's just really it was like that was confusing me for ages because I couldn't work out what the hell it was like and also well, it has a debugger and everything, and it's like so you can monitor. Like I was monitoring the values. It's like well, I when you hit enter, that value clearly changes. So that bit works. Oh, that would have been so useful in the fucking games factory. You know, <laughs> yeah. when, when weird shit starts to happen, your what ability to just go just a debug well, just a debugger. Yeah, because remember the techniques you had to use in the games factory is like oh, this counter. I'm gonna make that visible and put oh, it on yeah. the gameplay area somewhere. And like so, when something happens, I can perhaps see if that value changes. But yeah. Just, so does the debugger let you like step through the, the the sequence of events that occur and then what what code ends up getting run and I don't know if it has exactly step through. I think there is some kind of step through as well, but I'm not sure how it's the step yeah, the step through was shit in game. <laughs> yeah, that's where the problem was, because you turned it on and it yeah. would just everything. Play the entire fucking game in step through. <laughs> yeah. Or or you know, yeah, and, and there'd be just way too much happening. You'd want to be able to say, Okay, once this event you want to set break events. Yeah, right? you want to say when this event occurs, okay, then I want to step through everything that happens in this moment. Conditional breakpoints almost. Kinda, yeah. Well, it would be enough. Like well, you know, in when you're dealing with actual code, you have a breakpoint, don't you? And then it's like then on the thing you want to do and then you just your step through from then is just yeah it doesn't just start running automatically until you just go through every line do it? and it's, I'd, I'd want to have it that way but then the trouble with this like what I was having problems with this debugging was like I had the debugger up and then uh, I was tri- like triggering the event that should cause the thing to happen but then for some it's like it doesn't crash it doesn't stop doing anything yeah. <laughs> it's like even the debugger doesn't detect anything any longer and I was like well that's 
incredibly unhelpful because I'm not actually telling me anything at all. That happens. I've had, I, I can get Visual Studio into that kind of state on a frequent basis. It would be fine if there was a crash, crash message. <laughs> then it would make sense. Do you get a crash down with like stack traces so you can see what event? Not really. It's more like it only tells on. you the exact line. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, so it doesn't really give you. It doesn't a, tell you what led to that line. No, not really. Okay. Something would just go, something happened here. Yeah. This is the last funny. thing I ran before I exploded. So that's fine. I made, I got that transition working and that's good. And then I was like, then I was just really, uh, it was more, mainly I just have like awesome ideas and I've been thinking of like how it should work. Cool. But then it's the, the ever, ever difficult part of just like, where do you even start? <laughs> you got, got to build everything up from nothing. Yeah. Even with this framework where I'm not having to do any of the actual like clue detection programming or whatever. Well, maybe you could find other game maker games that are doing parts <laughs> similar. And, well, yeah, yeah, not steal it, but like see how they did it. If it's, oh, it's like I, I have ideas. I have, I've got like totally awesome game ideas. But, um, God damn it. Well, this is the thing yeah, we, but... you should probably take it from the impression on something we were shit at, I think, or as I was shit at when dealing with games factories. I didn't like to prototype. No. Because I just wanted to make the game. Yeah. And it's like the game was the prototype. And if it worked, it, and if it didn't work, it was just like, well, fuck it. We'll just finish this. Yeah. Or, fuck or, it. or, or carry on with it. Um, so yeah, I guess that's what you should do is just, just try your ideas in really simple, like, small scenarios. Individually, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm thinking, like, for, later. for this first thing where I want to just do the level, random level generation, it, I mean, it's it's the classic thing of just, like, it's a bunch of placeholder graphics where it's, like, squares of colour that yeah, mean, yeah. or just, yeah. or even just, like, have it just draw an array as, a, like, a grid of numbers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. would be enough. Yeah. Well, yeah, your, your, your door fortress experience will help you there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I could, that, that's probably what I was thinking of doing. And it, yeah. That's right. At least it has arrays and shit as well. That was obvious. I was looking at the code base to be like, yeah, let's just make shit. sure this actually has the useful parts before I commit to anything. Uh, how useful of that shit then it would have been? I guess there are no arrays in Games Factory. That's there, the not same, in Games Factory, no. There weren't proper ones. There were extensions eventually. That yeah. could, how the hell did we get anywhere? Jeez. Well, we didn't, at the time, We don't. I don't think we, were, we fully understood what arrays could be useful for no, until like, no, the end of what not. we were doing yeah i mean it would have solved that freaking atomic thing it could have made it actually work <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> i mean for example and pat rocket would have been in a, a, a 2d array would yeah. that would work um anyway could you have like made really like dumb arrays in case actually by like having an array made out of objects objects in one direction and then ultra values in the other direction. <laughs> but you could theoretically do it by having an object <laughs> that would change its position like somewhere off screen, but <laughs> like an thing. actual physical array where it sets its end position, and then whatever it's overlapping, it writes data. Yeah, to. and then you could then you could theoretically <laughs> an event to fire on its moving, so you then get an overlap event, and then you change the thing that it's overlapping. Oh no! You could come up with something stupid like that. That's you know? how like the bullshit messaging of Pat Rocket, where it's like, okay, this needs to send a message to the next one, so let's fire an object, fire an object. object and then we'll fire two, and sometimes they'll oh, get. That was how the atomic engine. Well, that's how I did Pat yeah. Lock yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. Exactly. The, the, atomic the actual animation where the waves come out—that's what is well, actually <laughs> making it work. But, yeah, for those, yeah, atomic was basically you can probably find games like this. It was atoms, like the, the yeah. classic sort of boardy gamey thing. But that it had a fatal flaw as like I couldn't handle two objects going into the same thing at the same time yeah. because uh, the event that 
got created would just fire once instead of twice. So it actually doesn't work properly because you can't create like the endless. You need to kind of stack it there. Yeah, can yeah. you just solve that by making it like each direction comes out a different and time. Slot, like one one different speed or something? Maybe, but I, yeah. I got bored at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fuck me. it, fuck it on the awesome graphics. But yeah, <laughs> well, the kind of the point was that things kind of I want things to kind of explode in time, but that's not how the original Atoms engine works. Like from the original old days, it would do one thing, as you say, and treat that as a thing. It would treat the whole. Yeah. sequence of events sequentially yeah. rather than me when I wanted everything to happen at once and be like, well, really big explosions. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, that, that, that did work. <laughs> so anyway, I have I, I have awesome ideas of games, but they're all clearly way too complicated for, like, just starting. But what the fuck? I'll try it. And you don't want to say anything on the air, I Not guess. particularly. I, you, you tell us something afterwards of your well, they're too, they're, It could probably help. It's like, well, yeah, obviously. I hope so, anyway. It sounds cool. <laughs> but it's like the, the ideas that I have well, well, actually, you had the glacial music library. <laughs> music is available, but the, the that's trouble- probably the, the biggest strength of all of our games. <laughs> <laughs> we had your music, pretty much. Oh, I don't know about that. It's like two of the ideas that I had are pretty much the same. Actually, most, actually, pretty much all three of them, pretty much the same thing, only in different environments with slightly different twists. But oh, sounds like uh, multiple um, levels. But then, no, but then, not really. Uh, right. Different games. Uh, you could combine them, couldn't you? To like, like have like, oh, this, <laughs> well, that was in, the in trouble. World, that was the trouble I this. came up with. Like one of these ideas just started as like one thing, and then it just kept evolving. And I was like, yeah, that would be awesome as well if you could do that. And then it was like that led to the second game where I was like, well, what if we took this out of this environment, took the same ideas, put them in a different environment, and then make a new game? And then it's like, why don't you put those into one, make one Uber game? And you made a way. Way to go. So that's how like a design Located process. Is good, though. You know that. That's how a design process works, though, isn't it? Because in theory, like, if you think that your later ideas are better than your initial ones, then just trash the initial ones. So yeah, but then you, the trouble there is commitment. Mm. <laughs> You're going to build one fucking huge game. It's going to take a really long time. Well, building a game takes a long time, and you know that you know that you've been playing games. Going, this just isn't complicated enough. It's <laughs> yeah, awesome, but it's not complicated enough. But that's the that's why you make your own game because then you can make exactly what you want. Exactly. Oh, yeah, but you don't need it to be complicated enough. You just need to make meta breed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I was well, considering doing that. Well, but I then was, when I was, was going to th- do that, was then I was thinking about when I was thinking about like trying to remake meta breed in this game maker. I was like, should be awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I was like. What what actual mechanics could you add to make Metabreed an actual game? <laughs> yeah, how do you make it actually work? Because that was the bit I always struggled with. with, with. The thing uh, is, anyway, anyway, no one's going to know what the fuck we're talking about at this point. You can't really influence the way, the direction, the thing bounces off your pad. That's the trouble. So you can't. Yeah, if, really... I could, if I could have added that with a bit more, you could easily. Actually, that's one of the tutorials in game. Yeah. There's a breakout where the ball hits the pad and it goes in a different direction. Yeah, if I could have influenced that in a slightly better way, had that breakout control. Weirdly, I kind of had that in a stupid way in the first version of MetaBreed. Yeah, you um, did. Yeah. For those that don't understand, yeah, but MetaBreed really... is basically sort of breakouty but with gravity kind of thing yeah. like but you're bouncing like pac-man um, <laughs> that's the other problem with different colors can't use packs. i can't use packs no we'd have to come up with some other creature but luckily it's so. not called pack something like no. everything else we got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah then the first game i had that almost accidental i can't remember how i did it or if it was intentional if it wasn't the spin mechanic where if you hit them with a in your as you were moving. And your pad had momentum. It could influence the way that they were moving. But it was just too hard to actually use. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't precise. I think we, I can't remember if I just... Oh, no, I'm sure you had some angling in Metabreed too. Yeah. 
think it just did. wasn't very accurate. No. And it's not like you could. It was not like that in that. That's the trouble with the mechanics in that game. Is like it's not like you could actually have time to think to no. aim two things to collide. No, no, no. <laughs> it's just impossible. That's the trouble. It's all about the parrots. Yeah. Crazy, crazy ass parrots. I still think it's great though. It's fun, yeah. but it doesn't really work as a. No. The time mechanic didn't work properly, really. Like, you know, the pacing as to how good a game should be. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, scoring. we'll make a video of that at some point. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it just puts in perspective that, you know, we were doing this for, I guess, a, a good mis, misspent part of our youth, maybe. And, you know, we still didn't really have yeah, it misspent. down how to make how to make good mechanics, like, work, really. We had great ideas that perhaps could have been moulded into something, but our execution always had some flaw. Sometimes because of Games Factory, sometimes because the mechanics just didn't. Yeah, we could, right. we could, I think we quite didn't a lot of time because of Games Factory, really. Yeah, but we, you know, there, there would be you know, say Matterbridge's fault was that I couldn't get the balance right, really, between the various elements, so it came together as a nice whole that made sense. Um, not that making sense was a real, real was really a goal for that game, but, but that was still partially Gage actually's fault even then because it was like the actual problem was just the collisions. Yeah, true. The actual like way it registered collisions between the bats and the balls was so dodgy in itself. Oh yeah, that stuff fucked up. You know, I meant the balance between like doing well, meaning you have a longer game but not long enough that it would. You know, they could just make the timer go to some stupidly high number and you'd never die. Well, that was the it infinite was... combo problem. That was actually that was actually a mechanical problem with the power, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There was, there, yeah, there was those kind of issues that I just couldn't really. I didn't come up with good solutions for. So anyway, but anyway, yeah. I was just saying, I was trying to say the design of games is actually when you boil it down to something, making something good. It's pretty hard. It's yeah. like it's one of the things that the bejeweled guys perhaps get a bit of a rap for because like you know match three, but it's actually. The, the mathematics are perhaps moving level to level and like how they make it harder within that framework. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, a, there's actually a, a very careful balance to that and yeah. they got it right. It's... Yeah, it takes a lot of work. So anyway, that's making games. Yep. I've left you, you've got, you got 20 minutes. Yeah, plenty of time. Because um, I also bought with this 360 controller, <laughs> I also got two 3DS games because obviously put them in the same package. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Although actually not in the same package because one of them came from a different place. Of course. And, was sent, and was sent first and arrived second in the classic style. Because of Amazon's weirdness. Because <laughs> of Amazon's tax dodging. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. But, uh, well, no, I think it wasn't even Amazon. I think that second one was like someone selling through Amazon. Yeah. But yeah, even so, that's that that's not that's not Teddy's. But yeah, that was the one that got sent first and arrived second because <laughs> it was like that. That had like they were both on free, like three to five day shipping or whatever. But there's, the one that wasn't Amazon, surprisingly enough, didn't turn up as quickly because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> somehow Amazon always managed to pull that off where it's like three to five days and it still manages to turn up in two, even though it came from like Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, my caller was like that. It like turned up like a few days early, but then it was courier. Yeah, so I got the I got two 3DS games to continue 3DSing. One of which Rob was enthusiastic about until I said it was wasn't as good as it was meant to be. <laughs> he was, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit bummed about that because the, the internet led me down a merry path. By yeah. the sounds of it. Yeah, it was because it was basically the only reason I got it was because it was cheap from this other place that wasn't Amazon. It was like 13 quid for the 3DS version of Sonic Generations. Mm-hmm. 
that Rob was so yeah, which, ever, which everyone said was supposed to be good, and that's one of the reasons why I might have perhaps you know one of the, if I had a 3ds, I would have <laughs> cons- one of those games you would have got. Yeah, I would have I would have highly considered that you know it's a Sonic game and like baked off the bat of like you know the previous handheld Sonic games being pretty good. Yeah, like why would this not be? And it's but the trouble with it is that that. I don't think the level design is very good is the main problem with it. It's just like... There are some definite examples of some shitness there. Like, you know, the things well, that I mean, Sonic like, doesn't, isn't good at. Yeah, it's like... Be- it's always the classic problem with the 2D Sonics is they always they always just fall into the same trap of, like, plat- like bits where you have to stop and do precise platforming and random death bits. I mean, it's like, can, those have been around for fucking ever in Sonic games. I mean, you can do it as long as you telegraph it. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, bits of the Sonic generations on the PC have bits where you could die if you get the get it a bit wrong yeah. but normally there's like a uh, something that forces you or some way of telegraphing so you're in a state where you don't just ch- plow for it and die <laughs> which, in, which in some cases in, in the 3ds game is like you just hit something and stop yeah. <laughs> and that's meant to be the <laughs> meant to be the bit of, yeah, yeah, and, and then you land on the on in the dangerous section yeah so that, that's fine that works that's a legitimate strategy but it's just like it's, it's still incredibly jarring and a lot of the time I don't know if it's just like the camera's too zoomed in again, which is another problem they often fall into with mm-hmm. this game, where it's just like you don't see it coming nearly enough. And there's easily bits where. Because the whole point of the game, or it, uh, it seems like, well, for the mod Sonic, I guess, the whole point is just like boost all the time. Because that was that, that was what made the old handheld like Rush and Rush 2. That's what made those games good. You find the route where you can boost the entire time, and it's just awesome. Yeah, and that even worked in modern. <laughs> Well, most of the modern Sonic games, including you know, generations, the modern bits of generations, where it was just like there was a route most of the time where you didn't not necessarily could boost all the time, but a lot of the levels were designed in a way where if you knew the routes yeah. and you when to do something, you could optimize your run. And right. that might um, still be the case in the 3DS version. It's just not. It just doesn't seem nearly as easy to do. And there's a lot of cases where well, the shit routes seem really shit. Yeah, the shit routes are really shit. So they really suck. And there's a lot of cases where. It does the the classic problem of sometimes you'll just like go up a ramp and you're boosting, you'll continue boosting, but because you're boosting, that'll actually make you go too far and then you fall in a hole. And it's yeah. like that's 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 <laughs> that's, 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 that's a fail. They really shouldn't. I mean, I don't think they 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 kind of learned that. I think in the in the in the big boy Sonic games, I guess, on the main consoles, because I think Sonic Unleashed had a bit of a problem with that in places, and then. Sonic Colors, they kind of learned oh not to do that, like and sort of corrected it. Yeah, and then Sonic Generations didn't really have that problem at all. No, and it's uh, so that seems like a bit of a and then like, like, in, like perhaps even, they have a, had a younger team or a team that hadn't learned that lesson again or something. <laughs> maybe because like. it's supposed to be Dimps handling most of yeah. this, and Dimps have they've got a bit of a proven record in getting Sonic right. Mm. So why how they've done it so weird this time is a bit <laughs> mysterious. And then the other problem is that, like, half the game is the modern Sonic and half the game is classic Sonic. And the classic Sonic levels are, like, really boring and <laughs> not actually... Those are maybe even worse for, like, precise platforming because of the way the old Sonic handles. Well, they and, like, they for some been... reason, they decided to give classic Sonic a homing attack. Yeah, that's dumb. And also, the, that homing attack is, like, even in modern Sonic as well, both the homing attacks are unnecessarily finicky in, like... There's a very small window of lock on, where it's like unless you hit it in the exact window, you just miss. <laughs> Again, that was a problem with the sort of older iterations, where when homing attack became a thing, that you know sometimes that window was a bit too thin. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, back in... Like, I mean, it's intentionally done in some levels of Sonic Generations that the window is thin. Well, yeah, when yeah, you're moving to make, super fast. Yeah, whatever. to make that route hard. And it's... Um, but it's like in Sonic Adventure 2, you didn't even have... It didn't even, like, tell you what you were locked onto. You just had to know. <laughs> yeah. And, and that could occasionally really fuck you up. So, yeah. It seems, it's just like... I don't know what it is. It's just like a oh, weird yeah. combination of all these little things that makes it feel it not as make, good. It, yeah, the classic mode doesn't make sense to put the hoping attack in for a start. That is not the point of what the game was trying to do. No. Um, and I don't know, the bit that stood out for me as an example of bad level design was when you were doing, I think it was Radical Highway, and the time you had to spend waiting for a platform <laughs> to slowly move into the right position so you could then jump up. And normally, like, on a, on a well-designed level, even in Sonic Adventure 2, for that matter, the platforms are moving pretty quickly yeah. for you to, so you don't have to wait very long if you do fuck up your timing. I mean, obviously that like, was... That's just, that's just, that's really bad. Obviously that was like game, the that shitty all, shit route. I mean, that's, that's, that's bad in general for platformers where you have to waste time waiting for a platform that's off screen to come back to you. Yeah. That's just bad in general. But to do that in a Sonic game is sacrilege. It's, You're just fucking standing there. That's not what Sonic should be doing. Yeah, that, that really gr- grinded my gears, that one. Grinded my goat. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, maybe the, okay. the final, like, semi-disappointment, well... Sort of my goat, I suppose. I should say the other semi-disappointment of of this of the 3ds one is well, firstly, there's not as many levels as there should be because in the in the in proper generations, there's three from each time period or whatever you consider it. Oh yeah, 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 for each era. Yeah, for each era. But in the DS one, there's only three in the first one, and then there's two in the other two. So mm. it's like you're, you're you're missing out on two zones. Yeah, you're like you feel feel like you're missing two levels and. Because there's all only like one Mon Sonic and one Classic Sonic. I mean, they didn't change that from uh, the other generations. So you do feel like you're just missing four levels. Mm. <laughs> and then, and then the other disappointment with that is, for some reason, they got lazy with the music as well. Where it's just like, yeah, for a couple of the levels, the Classic Sonic level just has the original music, and the modern Sonic level has a slight modern remix. Yeah, they're not, they didn't get quite so ambitious with the music, which is a shame because the Sonic Generations mixes are really good. There's a few, a few of the remixes I quite like. Yeah, but sometimes like the difference between, the, as you say, the classic and modern remix is subtle at best. Or, and... or it's just like it's just take like for, like Emerald Coast. It's like the the classic Sonic is the original Emerald Coast music, and the modern Sonic is Some like level. the Act 2 version of that or, or whatever. From, or from Sonic Heroes, or like from Tales. Tales' is, version of Emerald Coast yeah, or something. It's, it's just, it's, it's another track it's another that was in track, that game. Yeah. It's not a remix. <laughs> oh, oh, well, slightly remixed, to just make it slightly funkier. Maybe. I didn't even really notice that. Yeah. But, but it's, look, that's just like kind of lazy. Yeah. It... It's a, it's a real shame because you know I've read on the internet and like through reviews and stuff. This was actually supposed to be pretty good, you know, pretty along the same vein as um, the con the big console version of Sonic Generations. That they've been creative with the level design. They've been um, somewhat um, uh, respectful of your nostalgia, I guess. Yeah. On it, and it's um, it, having seen it in action. That's just not true. Really, it is, it is it is the lazy version, and it's like you know the mush. They, they pick some pretty great levels in places like what they could have worked from because you know like they could have done something with Mushroom Hill, oh, yeah. perhaps, but you know, sort of didn't. In the end, it is just Mushroom Hill, yeah. the end, and it's like they haven't really changed enough to um to to warrant its inclusion, really. Mm. Um, 
I'm trying to think what else they did. Because they did, was it the Water Palace from Rush? From Rush, which is, again, quite an interesting choice. That was one of the more stand, one of the more uh, recognizable levels from that game. Um, even if it is just like a water level, yeah. really. But, you know, they did clever things in Rush that meant you didn't really have to go underwater for long if you could help it. Yeah. And it's like, it's not re- again, it's not really true in this. You're kind of forced into the water and have to do probably, you know, shit Sonic Water's action. <laughs> yeah. It's... And again, the music was one of those sort of like lazy remixes or not a remix at all style things. And it's like, again, a bit of a wasted opportunity. And they didn't, they didn't like, they didn't do any like reinvented mechanics. Like when you get to Water Palace in Modern Sonic, it still has the things from Rush. Like you boost into the fan blades and it sends you up instead of down. Mm. Those are still there. It's just like, well, that's just how it was. <laughs> and then for Classic Sonic, you get a new mechanic that they just made up, <laughs> which yeah. was never in the original level. Because Spagonia was kind of a questionable entry in big generations until you played it. And then you realize, oh, they've actually taken the Unleashed level and sort of fixed where it was wrong in the... In the unleashed version, yeah, like they've they've corrected. They 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 haven't necessarily reinvented the level, but at least took what was there and fixed it. Where it was <laughs> a lot of what I saw in the in the three DS version seems to be, oh, they've took what was there and fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what else, like another example of that is like the mushroom hill mushrooms, like bouncing off them really sucks. <laughs> It's like, well, it was always kind of crappy. Well, yeah, it was always crappy, but now it's actually really hard to actually even do it. No. Like, the, like the hit zone of the mushroom is somehow really small. Voila. I mean, we're talking a lot about... The, there's a lot to hate on here. Ultimately, it doesn't feel like seem like it's a terrible Sonic game. No. You know, it's not like it's not Sonic 06. And yeah, hell, I'll even put it above Sonic Unleashed. You know, that kind of... <laughs> but it's very, like... It's super simple as well. It's just like the level select is just a fucking level select. I mean, Generations had that as well, technically. Kind of, but it yeah. feels even more weird in this one. Where it's just like a white background with some icons. Well, then, yeah, you don't have the hub world, and the, they do have a, still have a challenge system, which sounded you know legitimately challenging. Yeah, um, but it's not part of the game any longer. You don't have to do the challenges to progress. No, there feels like there's less to it. Whereas you know the rush games obviously had quite a lot of meta game, not yeah. just the levels. You could spend quite a lot of time just fucking around doing other stuff. Yeah, um, and the other the other thing that's slightly annoying is the bosses. Because they got lazy with them. Oh, yeah, but bosses. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's like in between each of the like eras or whatever. There's two bosses. You have to do both of them to progress. For no apparent reason, they just decide to jam two bosses in each time. One of which is like a proper boss, I guess. Like you know, well, more in like the rush style, of course. Because I mean, it has to be in some kind of two D plane of some kind. <laughs> but then, then the other one is just like a race where you just have to like run ahead of uh, like basically what it is is memorizing a level because it does a thing where it's like you're running along a flat plane and then there's a like a u-shaped hole where you'll run along the walls and the enemy will do that but if you just jump across the gap it's faster and that's how you yeah. get ahead of them but then again all race bosses have been a bit like well yeah but then the trouble is like they do that in each of these pairs of bosses one of them is a race so it's like it just gets harder but the last one is not actually a race. Oh, the silver one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the silver one's pretty broken. It's like you it's a race against silver, apart from as soon as you get slightly ahead of him, he just teleports to where you are. <laughs> so it's actually an entire game on level of pacing yourself. Yeah, so you just don't race, you just stay next to him the entire time and then just save up your boost so you can right at the end just go whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Straight across. That's pretty dumb. Yeah, it's super dumb. 
So yeah, that game is like average, I guess. Yeah, I see. I'd rather play. It's, it's easy. It's easy for us to pick out all the fails in it because you know we've played so many Sonic. Games. Yeah, I'd rather play the older rushes. Yeah, definitely. Rush, Rush One and Rush Adventure are pretty fine games. Yeah. Uh, just for running through the levels. So if you ever, if you ever have a, a 3DS, just go play those. <laughs> yeah, they'll still work. Yeah. And then the other 3DS game, how much longer have we got to Well, we, didn't, like we, never, ta- we never covered Ten Sonic Colors, did we, on 3DS? No. Which is, again, isn't supposed to be bad, but... <laughs> I'm not I now, this. Yeah, I now question the internet's judgment of Sonic. Like, for the most part, they're normally pretty okay at it, you know, because there's a lot to hate on on Sonic 06, definitely, like, and a lot to hate on what, Sonic What's Unleashed, this Lost but, World thing? Uh, yeah, it's pretty soon. It's pretty soon before the end of the year on Wii U. Yeah. Pe- Penny Arcade just posted a comment where they said it might not be shit gravy. <laughs> just, yeah, uh, <laughs> but I saw that. I saw that Penny Arcade comic, and it, they they did the classic thing that everyone still does, where it's like all Sonic, all terrible. Sonic games are bad. It's like, have you not played the last fucking four of them? That's not true. I, I'd say <laughs> they've been pretty good. I'd say you have a fifty-fifty bet with a Sonic game. Generally, I mean that, that's pretty low odds. Admittedly, it may be higher than that actually to satisfy me, but yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah, saying yeah. much. Um, but you know, if you're talking been good recently, I mean, come yeah. on, Colors was great. Colors Generations and the DS games. <laughs> yeah, the, the DS games were probably more. Re- I, I suppose you know, during the same time as the DS games, we have we did get treated to Sonic 06 and Sonic Unleashed, which are not well. The Sonic parts of Sonic Unleashed were great. The warehold parts of Sonic Unleashed were pretty terrible. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, oh, I shouldn't have thought of that. I've got the fucking fight music from Sonic Unleashed in my head now. So good. Uh, in, all, in all this jazzy glory. Talk about something else. Oh, yeah. Someone, please change topic. Talk about Mario and Luigi for like five minutes. Yep, that's the plan. That was the other thing I got. Mario and Luigi Dream Team Bros, because they had to add bros to it for some reason in the European territories. Bros. Oh, it didn't have bros in... No, the in the US. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> it's just called Dream Team, which oh, is a much better name. I thought they perhaps would have had, like... It sounds more likely that they'd have put bros in the American edition. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's a pretty good game. It's just another Mario Luigi RPG of the same exact way they've been doing it since the start of active battles and that kind of thing. The bit, the bit you showed me of the, the those. <laughs> well, you guys. like that. You just like that because of those characters. Oh man, those those guys are great. <laughs> the Russian sounding muscle guys. Yeah, well, Russian looking text because he's actually voice acts. What they, they say? Yeah, yeah. They say da. Oh da. Sorry, yeah. Da. That's yeah, the yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, <I'm> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They say dad. They talk about beef. Yep, which is you great. have to get beef. You have to get beef. Get and, beef. And lo- lots of random meat references because of that. <laughs> it's pretty funny writing. It has to be said. Yeah. Even if it is dumb, but that's what those. That's what the, those games are about. Yeah, the team they always have on the Mario RPGs. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, really good. I mean, even if Super Paper Mario was a bit disappointing on the gameplay, whereas the writing's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Thousand Year Doors, yeah. Awesome. Thousand Year Doors writing is genius. Like all the all the Mario and Luigi series games have been pretty genius. Yep. It's like these guys are these guys are right. Yeah. Let's just make make some big games. I don't want them on handhelds. <laughs> I don't want to play an RPG on a handheld. I don't like the idea of spending that much time on a handheld. I mean, yes, I've done it before in Golden Sun, I guess, but yeah, I want to play those games like. 
on a couch. Well, it's not like these are exactly RPGs anyway. It's like the Mario and Luigi's have never been really RPGs. It's like, wow, you, you get stats and they level up and then you can put like slight bonus stats into whatever you want, but that doesn't guess, really make much difference. I guess, but they're quite long games, aren't they? So yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that is the I mean, and, and yes, I could play my handheld in, in my hands on a couch, but I could do that with my iPad like for various things, and I choose not to because I have a television on which to display them. It's like you know, I don't. I don't normally get out my iPad for a game of length. Hmm. I still don't really want to. I want to do that on a console. It's like if they made those games on a console, I'd be happy. If that game came out on Wii U, I'd be happy. <laughs> Which it probably could. Yeah, probably. It's not like they use the touchscreen for virtually anything. Yeah. Again, it's another one of those like Ninty just perhaps focuses a little too heavily on their handheld market right now. It's because the Wii U's not selling in the 3DS. I know, so it's a, it's a and it's because it's probably generic. much easier to generate assets with it for a tiny-ass 3DS screen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to be, like, complex assets, that's the thing. Like, even Nintendo's, like, simple, flat art style doesn't... It translates to HD pretty well. Oh, if they'd without... gone back to paper, right? then that would have been well, exactly. the solution. <laughs> yeah, just the simple, flat colours with the occasional bit of, like, a lump of detail on it is that, that doesn't take long to knock up surely like and this, at a high res this game it actually has kind of weird it's like they're pre-rendered sprites basically or a little well that's what they appear to me as yeah, far as you can tell I think you're right but but it's like they're pre-rendered sprites but they're they still have the same animations as they used to which is actually really weird like they still have pretty it follows the animation that the original sprites had only in this <laughs> updated way like the stupid little dance that they do at, at the end of the battle that's oh, yeah. still the same from the original game yeah even their sort of like standing pose <laughs> yeah is you know the, the fight like, pose yeah the idle pose I guess <laughs> so yeah that's pretty good and then then like we said it does that it does various things with 3D to make it actually... Yeah, it's pretty cool. Although the one... Maybe the, the, fight, one... the fight mechanics in general are still pretty cool. Yeah, the active battle stuff. Mm. But the, maybe the one problem I have with it is that, like, the difficulty just seems to vary dr- dramatically between, like, way too easily and easy and incredibly difficult just all the time. Mm. <laughs> it's like one enemy will be complete piss to just avoid and counter and dodge and time its attacks and see what it's doing. And then, like, another enemy right next to it will have to have something where you can barely see it and you get hit every time. Mm. And then you just lose all your health. And then, like, boss battles have almost pretty much entirely so far been incredibly difficult compared to everything that's just before them. That was kind of true of a lot of these RPGs, though, isn't it? Like, a lot of the Mario... Well, sort of. Well, I think... The main problem with that, with this whole idea of like active battles and dodging is that it's fine for normal enemies because they don't do very much damage. So you, if you take an attack the first time you see it because you don't know what's coming, it doesn't matter that much. But when you're in a boss battle and the boss does fucking tons of damage, mm-hmm. you get hit by its attack and then you're basically fucked from the start because you don't know what's coming. Oh, I see. Yeah. You reckon they should perhaps like have bosses that perhaps ramp up their attacks a little, so like they... Yeah, maybe. But I mean... So I, like the first time it does an attack, perhaps its window is somewhat obvious, and like as as you go through it, it has one of those like halfway through the fight kind of <laughs> moments, and then all of a sudden the timing gets tighter. Maybe. But then, I mean, they have... They maybe not intentionally, but they put in a mechanic that you can use to mitigate this, where they've they they the new version of the badge system where you can get power ups. Mm-hmm. 
basically you have two sets of badgers now for each cat for Mario and Luigi. Two sets of badgers? Two sets of badgers. Badgers. But like <laughs> basically each of the badgers is a half. Right out of time. <laughs> and then you combine them together. Give the sound thirty seconds. Yep. You combine the two badgers together and it makes a, it makes a different effect depending on what the combination is. Cool. And one of the combinations you can make just basically gives you invi- invincibility for a certain number of turns. Uh, so that's basically how I've been mitigating this problem of not. Oh, I see. So you can have, <laughs> one, of, have one of those in reserve for a boss fight. Yeah, as soon as the boss fight starts, just go like, I'll be invincible for the first six turns while I work this shit out. Oh, that's, that's genius. Yeah. It's genius, but maybe like, is that really what they were planning for? Is that like how they were solving the problem of not being able to balance the game properly? Yeah, and you kind of have to. Yeah, plan for that. Anyway, we're done here. 20 seconds to wrap it up. Yeah. Well, that's Mario and Luigi. It's still a good game. Yeah, as cool. all of them have been. I can check that out. And thanks for joining us on the Sidecast, and we'll have more next time. We should try and talk more issues. longer about good games, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. God, talking about good games is boring. <laughs> more fun with good and bad games next time. Bye, guys. Thank you for all. Bye. Stop. Bye.